0: Okay, what'd you get him? What'd you get him this year? But I get him. Yeah, what'd you get him for his, for his I birthday? Got, I got him my presents. Yeah, <laughs> I, I showed up. Damn, was I was supposed to bring him. That's what I got him. <laughs> One of us oh, is gonna have to change. Oh no! Um, I can take off my shirt. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Here, he, here he comes. Here he comes. Surprise! Surprise! Who the fuck are you? Okay, it is August. 15th, 2020, and everybody who listens to Cinemodities knows exactly what date this is. It's a very important one for us. It is none other than Ben Affleck's birthday. And I'm so excited to celebrate it here on Cinemodities because last year we celebrated it on Knights of Vader talking about Justice League, and we actually had a thesis about Justice League and Star Wars that kind of pushed Ben Affleck a little to the side but this year, we're celebrating his 48th birthday by bringing on someone to the podcast whose first name is also Ben. What better way to celebrate Ben Affleck's birthday? Ben, thank you for joining us in this celebration. Uh,
1: you're welcome. I'm glad to be here. I until tell you you just mentioned it. I didn't actually know my name was Ben. So, <laughs>
0: <laughs> Well, look at that. We're learning something new this August 15th. All right. So... Ooh. I guess to start off, since Ben is here to discuss Ben Affleck for the first time, what are your thoughts? Do you like Ben Affleck? Do you hate Ben Affleck? Do you think about him only once a year when I tell you you have to think about him? Give us some context. I I
1: think Ben Affleck is an actor <laughs> that nice. I've seen in some movies.
0: You would be correct, uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know that. What if I made it up? What if I've never seen a Ben Affleck then I'd be very upset that you didn't watch the movie we're discussing today, <laughs> even though we've seen it together.
1: <laughs> uh, so I generally think Ben Affleck is not the best
0: actor. Okay.
1: I, he, uh, there are some, there are some parts in this movie in particular where his acting is definitely subpar. Um, but in general, I like him. I like Ben Affleck.
0: Okay. Okay. Do you have a, do you have like a favorite Ben Affleck uh, performance or movie or um, anything like that? Favorite Ben Affleck
1: performance. I mean, I can tell you that I didn't hate him as Batman as much as I thought I was going to.
0: Oh, okay. I, I think that was the consensus with a lot of people that everybody was kind of unsure what to think about him as 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 the Batfleck, and then everybody was like, yeah, it was all right, you know. <laughs>
1: yeah, it was definitely it was definitely okay. Uh, what what else was he in? He, oh, he was in uh, he was in that movie about the space rocks, and he he kissed what was it, Liv Tyler or whatever, and there was like a jet. Are you thinking of Armageddon? Yeah, Armageddon. Okay, yes, he was in Armageddon,
0: yes. <laughs> <laughs> the Space Rocks.
1: <laughs> oh, shit, he was in Days and Confu- Oh, The Town. Yes, I've seen him in The Town. That's some good shit. Okay, okay. Um, yeah, he's, um, I was hoping this was going to be, like, a, a, a plot summary that I could use to remember, remind myself of what it's about. I think there's, like, a robbery and some revenge or something, if yeah. I'm remembering the right movie.
0: Yeah, I think The Town is, like, the, about Boston gangsters, something like that. Yeah, that's pretty good.
1: Um, I would say overall, I don't think about Ben Affleck very much.
0: (laughs) Okay. Okay. Uh, well, yeah, you know, Ben Affleck, I I think I, I said it last year, but it was on Knights of Vader. So I'll reiterate here. I'm pretty neutral on Ben Affleck. I don't think he's great. I don't think he's terrible. He's done some stuff I like. He's done some stuff I don't like, uh, both in the acting and the directing realm. Actually, I don't know if there's anything I like that he's directed. The two that come to mind are Argo, which I severely dislike. And uh, Live by Night, which is a very dumb movie. I don't know if Ben's ever seen it, but that movie starts with Ben Affleck doing a like a monologue, like a voiceover, and he's basically saying how he's like, oh, me and my girlfriend or wife or whatever, we just want to do like this one big last job so we never need to do a job again and have enough money to retire on, and we're going to sleep all day, and then Live by Night, and then like the title card comes up, Live by Night. And I'm like... Why did he just spend three minutes defining the word nocturnal for us? Like, the word is nocturnal. Did he not know that word? (laughs)
1: Uh, I don't think nocturnal is as uh, catchy of a movie title, though.
0: (laughs) It also might have been taken, so who knows? Ben Affleck is nocturnal. (laughs) So, yeah, Ben Affleck's all right. I, I think my favorite performance of his, hands down, is Gigli which we'll talk about as we go through this this movie for sure. But I guess that brings us to, with this celebration, we always choose something. He's a lead role in and discuss it. And this year we are talking about Chasing Amy from 1997. And originally I was thinking about doing Paycheck because Paycheck is like one of those really bad sci-fi movies. <laughs> Remember, that was the one I was telling you about where the they invent the lens that the curvature lets them yes. see forward in time. Okay.
1: I, I Whenever you said Paycheck, I was thinking of the movie Payback, which I oh. think is actually a Mel Gibson movie. Yes,
0: yes. <laughs> Mel Gibson in Payback as Payback. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so I was thinking about Paycheck because that movie is just so ridiculously bad. It's so funny. But then when I was talking to Ben and trying to get him into this, I was like, oh, we could do Chasing Amy because that's something that uh, Ben actually introduced me to years ago when we were living in Ohio. And I remembered its existence. I kind of remember the, the main points of the movie, the main plot beats. I wanted to ask you, though, Ben, do you remember what I thought of Chasing Amy after we watched it? To preface that question with, a, with an earlier question, was this one of the movies that you put on and then fell asleep through, so I could not accurately tell you my thoughts on the movie at the end of it? <laughs> do you remember?
1: Uh, I'm, I'm going to say probably. Okay. Because I think ninety percent of the movies fit that description.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes.
1: I don't. I don't remember your your take on Chasing Amy. Um, but to be completely fair, I didn't even remember my own take on Chasing Amy until I watched it again.
0: <laughs> okay, okay. So, so good. Then we're we're kind of getting this as like a reset. We can talk about what we think of this movie because I definitely <laughs> have some thoughts now that I've rewatched it. You know what? It got to be like six or seven years later. But right. I I kind of given my history with this already. I had never really heard of it until you introduced me to it and we watched it back in the day. Um, Do you have any history of it? How did you come into contact with this? And and do you remember why uh, this was in your head or you wanted to show it to me or anything like that?
1: Yeah, so um, it's directed by Kevin Smith. Yes. Uh, There's a whole host of movies directed by Kevin Smith, all that take place in the same universe. Uh, Jay and Silent Bob are the, the most... I, like iconic recurring characters, but there are other recurring characters throughout the, throughout the movie. And I'm going to mention some of that as we talk about the movie, but essentially this, in, this came onto my radar because, uh, because it was directed by Kevin Smith because it, it happened in the same universe that clerks and clerks Two and Mallrats and dogma and, um, and Jay and Silent Bob strike back all happened. in. um, this of course proceeds, uh, this is after Mallrats, before Jay and Silent Bob strike back. I'm not yeah. sure exactly the order,
0: yeah, and I think this is right before Dogma. I think Dogma's the next one after this. Okay.
1: So, in Dogma, Ben Affleck is a very different character,
0: I think. Yeah, isn't he one of the angels or archangels yeah. or something? Yeah, yeah, he's an
1: archangel. God,
0: I haven't seen Dogma in so long. <laughs>
1: um, Dogma's some good shit. It's got Alan Rickman in it. Um,
0: Ooh. So, so I guess, I guess that's that's where I have to... I knew... I Yes, this is definitely the first time on Cinemodities I think we're talking about any Kevin Smith movie. Um, we've talked about Kevin Smith before in some documentaries we've done, but I, I we have to spend some time just talking about Kevin Smith, and I, I think you've set it up, Ben, by saying, you know, you found this movie because it's a Kevin Smith movie, um, so would you say you have an affinity for Kevin Smith and his movies?
1: Uh, I would say when I was introduced to Jan and Silent Bob Strike Back when I was, like, 10, <laughs> that I fucking loved that movie. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and uh, and as a result, like, I didn't, I didn't know about... A lot of the other movies in that universe until you know until much later, but as I just as I learned about them and watched them, I I, I really I really grew to like them all. Chasing Amy was the one that took me the longest to, to like it all mm-hmm. uh, because it's so different than the other ones. Yeah, the other ones are are almost all blatant comedies, whereas Chasing Amy is more. Would you? I, it's a. Would you call it drama? It's.
0: Yeah, it's kind of like it's it's got it's kind of like a romantic comedy with some drama in it. Kind of. Yeah. thing. You know, in, interpersonal. It, it plays like a soap opera sometimes. <laughs>
1: yes. Yeah. Yeah. So its sole focus isn't humor, and it's very different. Has a very different feel than the rest of the movies. Um, so it took me the longest to to develop any kind of liking for it. But then in in undergrad, my roommate uh, really liked Chasing Amy. I think maybe he liked it more than he liked the other Kevin Smith movies, and mm-hmm. so he he made me watch it again, and I was like, "Oh shit, this movie's actually really good." Um, but that was all I really remembered about it was that I thought originally that I didn't like it, and then I liked it when I watched it in undergrad, and and then um, I, I I'm sure I had forgotten that we watched it together probably because I only watched about 15 minutes of it before <laughs> falling asleep. Yes. <laughs> so uh, yeah, so that's that's how chasing Amy you know ended up on my radar.
0: Okay. Okay. So, so I have to say, uh, Kevin Smith is someone. Over the years, I've I've never been the biggest fan of his. I'm pretty sure we watched Clerks two together as well at some <laughs> point. Because I don't think I had seen it. I've definitely seen the first Clerks, but I've never been the biggest fan of Kevin Smith. He's more of someone over the years I've grown to respect and not really like enjoy his movies, especially because you know I think rightfully so he gets kind of the title of being one of those people, the major influences on you know what the culture of discussing pop culture would become from, like, the 90s to the to the 21st century. And yeah. I respect that. And, you know, he there's so many people who say, like, I saw Clerks, and that, like, taught me how, like, just two people in a room talking could, you know, be impactful and things like that. And I give him props yeah. for that. But some of his stuff is not really... I don't want to go as far as pretentious. I, I think it's a little kind of... Uh, it's not really douchey either. It's just kind of bloated. Like, he he's very much into the, the talking about things and going through all of these minor details. And we'll get to some of that in this movie. But just as, like, I haven't seen all of his movies, but, like, Clerks didn't do too much for me. Mallrats I've never cared for. Zack and Miri make a porno, I have seen. And that only has, like, a, that has a few funny bits. I know there's one scene where uh, they're, like, recruiting or casting people for their porn. And this guy comes in, and he's like, they're like, what's your name? And he goes, I'm Chester the Molester Cock And they're like, wow, that's a great porn name. And he goes, oh, we get a porn name? I want mine to be Jack Johnson. <laughs>
1: yeah, you're hired, yeah. Mr. Uh, who are you again?
2: Lester. Lester the Molester Stuff. No. Wow, that is <laughs> the best porn name I've ever heard, man. <laughs> I can have a porn name? Then I'll be Pete Jones. Okay.
0: And it's like, it has a few like really weird one-liners that I absolutely love. And I think the one exception of Kevin Smith movies that I thoroughly enjoy is none other than Tusk. But that's because that movie is so bafflingly bonkers where he, he even chooses to put him talking about the ending of the movie in, of his, on his podcast before the movie was ever made over the end credits – do you remember that where it's like just uh, uh, Jason Long is the walrus at the end of the movie and the credits are rolling and he's just like in a little igloo next to a pool and it cuts to like Kevin Smith on his podcast and him and his co-host just laughing about and it's like, and he's just a walrus sitting there at the end of the movie and they're dying laughing and I'm like, these these are some decisions they're making. <laughs>
1: yeah, I mean Tusk is, Tusk is an anomaly of a movie oh, yeah. maybe – not not only in the Kevin Smith world, but definitely also in the Kevin Smith world uh, <laughs> yes. an- there there is another anomaly for the Kevin Smith world uh, movie that was made called Red State
0: oh I don't know yeah I've never seen that, but I know you've talked to me about it before
1: Red state is a is a great movie It's about uh, like a religious cult and a, a, what's that the guy Roseanne's husband what's his
0: name John Goodman
1: yeah John Goodman's okay. in it He's like a a government agent, and they're trying to make this interaction with the cult less bad than, like, the Waco, Texas thing. Okay. You know, you said spoilers are fine for this, so I'm going to go ahead and say it. Like, you know, they're talking about, (laughs) like, the second coming of Christ and all this shit. And then during the standoff, these loud horns start blaring out of nowhere, Mm -hmm. and everybody's like, what the fuck is this? You know, thinking it's, like, God or whatever. And, uh... It turns out that it was actually just their neighbors who were fucking with them. They put up a loudspeaker because <laughs> okay. they like, hated these religious cultists. So they were just like, we're going to fuck with them. And then um, that movie ends with the, the leader of the cult in prison. And he's like, he's either praying or singing some religious song. And Kevin Smith playing a prisoner. In in another cell, just yell, "Shut the fuck up!" And then the, <laughs> and then the movie ends.
0: <laughs> okay, okay. So yeah, that's I'll,
1: that's some good shit. Red State.
0: I'll have to check out Red State eventually. Um, I also need to see the the second in the, in the trilogy, which because Tusk is the first. I don't remember the name of it, but he, remember Yoga Hosers about the Nazi oh, sausages. Yeah. I still have not seen that, but from the clips I've seen, I'm like, I might love it for how ridiculous it is.
1: <laughs> yeah, I I haven't seen. Uh, any of the rest of those either? I think his daughters in a lot of them.
0: Yeah, yeah. In in Tusk, the daughters the daughter is one of the like convenience um, convenience store, convenience course, store. Right? and then Yoga Hosers yeah. like takes place in that convenience store. And okay. with how poorly those movies did financially and were not well received, I know he wanted to finish the trilogy with a movie literally called Moose Jaws. Oh yeah, <laughs> like that is the premise and the title of the film. And I don't think it's ever going to get made, but damn, I want to see it. <laughs> damn it.
1: That would be, yeah, so I, maybe that's why. Maybe I was waiting for Moose Jaws.
0: To... <laughs> I know, I want to see Moose Jaws. That's that's perfect. I, oh. I did read that apparently he has a movie in post-production called Kilroy Was Here, and it's oh. a horror movie based on the Kilroy Roy graffiti. Oh. And I'm just like, okay, that's all I could find out about it. I was like, oh, okay, I guess that's a thing.
1: Yeah, I mean, Kilroy, thats like, started popping up back in World War II or something, right? Yeah,
0: yeah, some people call it the first meme. Oh. <laughs> so, so, yeah, I mean, I'm definitely going to keep an eye on, on Kevin Smith, for sure, as he goes through his career. Uh, but I, I'm always interested to see what they do, anybody I respect, but it's kind of like, you know... He needs more of those crazy things like Tusk and whatnot for me to latch on to. And we will definitely talk about Tusk on Cinemodities one day. That's been on my list in my my spreadsheet for, like, ever, like, since the beginning of this podcast.
1: I I believe it. That movie's (laughs) fucking crazy. So uh, the—just fun facts for the audience. Uh, Kevin Smith has—he had a heart attack, and he—and his daughter was a vegan, and she, like, really pushed veganism on him to try to get him— back uh to being some some amount of healthy and he lost a fuck ton of weight yes so yes. so kevin smith is actually rather skinny now um but another character or another guy who's in these movies um the fuck i don't know his name i think he was in like varsity blues or something also he's like he's kind of the big fat guy that talks to him at the comic stand in oh uh, in yeah Chase
0: ethan ethan suplee yeah
1: yeah that guy got crazy in shape yeah like,
0: i saw that picture stupid not too long ago jacked. yeah
1: yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's like he's not fat at all anymore. He looks like a totally different person. He's like fucking Star-Lord style.
0: Yeah, that's that's a, that was definitely surprising cuz I know Ethan Suplee the best as uh he was the friend of Jason Lee on uh the show My Name is Earl. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and and I just remember I'd never really watched a lot of that show, but I, for some reason I remember an episode where Ethan Suplee like has like Tidy whities or like underwear or something, and he puts them over his head so his eyes are like sticking out of the leg holes, and he's like, "Look, it's a superhero mask." <laughs> and I was like, "That is such a dumb joke," but for some reason, I remember that out of that show. <laughs> sure. So I did. I did have to say, uh, Kevin Smith. He made an appearance uh, in a video game that I played. Oh. In in, uh, in Call of Duty: Infinite Warfare, I don't know if you know this, Ben. Well, Ben knows I I, I have a, a liking for the old uh, zombies arcade style 'em ups in Call of Duty, like the the Black Ops and the Infinite Warfare and stuff. And for some of the DLCs in Infinite Warfare, like every map that they had the DLC, um, each DLC would have, like, one Zombies map, and they would have different, like, celebrities in it. And one of them was Pam Greer, and then the Rave in the Redwoods map was Kevin Smith. And you could play as Kevin Smith, but you had to, like, just grind it out like crazy, and I was never into just, like, wasting that much time to play as Kevin Smith when he gave you no advantage over playing as anybody else. So I give, I you know, I liked him in that. It was fine. He had, like, what, six lines or something? And I was like, okay, you know, that's good.
1: <laughs> Did he say anything funny?
0: Uh, not that I remember. Not that I recall. He had his, like, you know, he had the, look, it was definitely Kevin Smith. Like, he wasn't playing a character. Like, he had the uh, the the uh, hockey jersey on. And I think if you played him played as him, you wouldn't have, like, a, a knife for your melee weapon. You would have a hockey stick or something like that. Oh, okay. But it wouldn't, like, do fun. any extra damage or any nonsense like that. It was just a gimmick. That whole uh, – Call of Duty's always just gimmicks, and that was just their gimmick that time around. <laughs> okay, sure.
1: I mean, it was like when Soul, Cal- Soul Calibur had Yoda and Darth Vader. Yes. It's like
0: – Who doesn't want that?
1: <laughs> it's like your lightsaber doesn't actually just cut through people, though. It's still just a sword. <laughs> <laughs> so,
0: you know. Whatever. Oh, yeah. yeah. Doesn't I think the newest Mortal Kombat has, like, the Terminator or something like that. They're always oh, doing God. those weird crossovers yeah. or whatever.
1: Whatever they get the rights to.
0: Yes, exactly. All right. Anything else you wanted to say about Kevin Smith? Or, or can we just... Uh, are you ready to dive into Let's ch- more of dive Chasing into Amy? Ch-
1: Let's dive into Chasing Amy.
0: All right. Well, like I said, this is from 1997. Uh, came on April 4th. And it made $12 million against a $250,000 budget. This movie made a crazy amount of money. And I just wanted to bring that up, not because I I usually like to talk about the the box office stuff, but I am kind of stunned that this movie only cost $250,000. Like, there is no way that Ben Affleck would be paid less than $250,000 just a few years after this, I think this was right. definitely like a I think like a, a friend helping someone out type of thing and also Jason Lee he he's not like a superstar or anything but you know this was a what four years before uh, vanilla sky and I'm sure he made a lot more than 250,000 for vanilla sky but I don't know for sure um, but I was kind of shocked to see that budget how low it is it makes sense it's just a people in rooms movie you know there's not mm-hmm. anything there's no special effects or anything that most of the time they're just you know, shooting the rodeo, like they just, you know, either went to a Comic Con and shot, or they just set up like a like a four foot by four foot room with a few booths to make it look like a Comic Con. And so it's a very, very small movie. But two hundred and fifty thousand. Like that's that that's is a small nothing. Budget. And it made it made tons of money. And I think to start, I wanted to say that I was reading about the reviews this movie got, and at the time of this release it got positive reviews and was actually praised as a a new type of romantic comedy. It was, it was bringing in a new era of romantic comedy. And, and I was reading some stuff about how a lot of romantic comedies of the late 90s and then early 2000s kind of tried to model themselves after this, type of, this movie and hit some similar plot beats. And I wanted to bring that up because I understand that. I respect that. I know for sure if I watched this movie back in the day, And, you know, I was the same age I am now, just in 1997, with different experiences, different knowledge of where films have gone. Totally. I I would understand and respect that. It was kind of a a new thing for its time. But when I watched this movie, I thought about it with 2020 Rob mentality, thinking about what he's seen before from romantic comedies, dramedies, all that stuff. And I have to say, which is also why I wanted to ask you if you remembered my opinion on this, I did not like this movie. <laughs> <laughs> there were some there were some things that redeemed it near the end, which I, I which we'll get to, but most of the scenes I was like, "Oh my god, this is going on way too long. Nothing is being said. These shots are stupid, like the dart throwing scene where they're the dartboard is at crotch level just so we can see them <laughs> throwing darts at the camera. I'm like, this is terrible." There were some scenes where my notes are just, fuck this scene, fuck it, fuck it to death, and stuff like that. So I have to say, uh, this is always fun on Cinemodities because it's been a while since we've done a movie I don't like. But that was my feeling after watching this. I was like, oh no, why didn't I... Well, either I was neutral towards it when we watched it, or I hated it and repressed it. <laughs> so, So I guess, like we were saying before with this reset... Uh, Top-line item, now that you've watched it again, and you've seen it more times than I have, I'm sure, what were your thoughts this time through? And if you disagree with me, I will hang up the call and finish this episode <laughs> myself. <laughs> no, go for it.
1: <laughs> um, so I, I like this movie actually quite a bit, but okay. I, I don't... I, I guess I, I want to separate. Like, I don't think that it was necessarily shot well. Um, yes. I think... I think that you know i I had problems with the dartboard scene and like I had problems with with a couple scenes of that um, but I would say that I, the reason I like this movie is more the story than like other elements of movies you know so like I actually I like I like the 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 character i I guess you could call it character development but i just, I like the story I like the human element of the story
0: okay okay that that's fair I think I would have liked it more if this movie was not just under two hours long, I think if this, movie, long. if this movie was cut down, which I think you could easily cut it down by like 20 minutes, I would have enjoyed it more, especially those first few scenes. Like, they go on so long. Like, I know that's what I was mentioning before with like Kevin Smith's style, but we do not need to get like a solid five minutes of Jason Lee and, and Hooper, Hooper X, arguing about whether Archie is gay or not. And I'm like, we do not, I'm like, I get it. I'm like, I understand. Like, you don't need to keep arguing about this.
1: I, that didn't bother me. Actually, I really enjoyed that argument. Um, only because of the highlights that it makes towards Jason's, Lee, Banky Edwards, Jason yes. Lee's character. Um It kind of, it sets him up as this guy who just gets irrationally angry about other people's opinions about things he cares about.
0: Yes, definitely. Oh, yeah. <laughs>
1: uh, and like that, that kind of follows throughout the movie. Like he, he's kind of irrational about Holden McNeil's relationship with with um, Alyssa Jones mm-hmm. for like the whole movie. So they really just like I feel like that was just character setup. I don't I don't feel like the content of it was necessarily what was important.
0: Oh oh definitely it is character setup and I think it's. Uh... It it's kind of like a uh, like a we can mix and match, you know. I think if we remove that scene, we'll get his character set up maybe a little or we got we would get it earlier with the inking debate. Inkers are just tracers and they're not. We got it there. We get it right. later when he's arguing again with you know, it's like the whole sex story scene in the in the lesbian club later on. And so I definitely think that th- we can pick and choose which character development scenes we can keep, but you can definitely cut some of them out.
1: I I think that the the recurring nature of that, like, it it lends a little bit of, um, or, or rather, builds a little bit of a picture of, like, not only is this who he is, but he, this is who he is to the point that it's almost unbearable.
0: <laughs> okay, okay, that that's fair. You could definitely see it that way because it, it, the movie does play it that way, and I think for me, it does get unbearable.
1: <laughs> mm. I I didn't find it unbearable, but I definitely took it like that's. What they were trying to do is they're trying to paint Banky as as this guy who's just like hot-headed and kind of stupid
0: and maybe gay <laughs> at the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who? Yeah, that. Oh, yeah, that. That. That's where the the closer we get to the end of this movie, the more I like about it. It's all this setup at the start where I'm like, oh my god, why is this taking so long? But I guess for anyone that is not aware, and because I think it needs to be said, when I start to talk about Geely as well. What is this movie about? What do we got? Two comic book artists. They work together on Bluntman and Chronic. Uh, We got Jason Lee as Banky, and we got uh, Ben Affleck as Holden, and he's just going to be Ben Affleck to me this whole time. Like, I actually wrote other characters' names in my notes, but Ben Affleck is just Ben Affleck. (laughs) It's his birthday, goddammit! And uh, they are pretty successful. It seems they're successful. And they meet... Uh, Alyssa Jones Ben Affleck falls hard for her Turns out she's a lesbian He's upset about this But they become good friends They become lovers The movie does something that a lot of movies do Even back in the 90s and still today They completely disregard the concept of bisexuality Lesbians get mad at lesbians For you know having sex with men And all that stuff And then uh, Ben Affleck Kind of just fucks everything up and he doesn't really fix anything, which I kind of like. That was the thing I liked about this movie, that the, I guess to jump ahead, the climax is where he's like, he gets the chasing Amy story from uh, Silent Bob, and then he's like, wow, and it looks like he's going to have this revelation of how he needs to save his relationship, and then he's like, we have to have a threesome. And I'm like, that's actually interesting. <laughs> but any anything I left out in that summary that you wanted to add, Ben?
1: Just that there are, um, there are a lot of callbacks to the other Kevin Smith movies. Oh, yes. Uh, I... Like, Hold, Holden McNeil asked Jay and Silent Bob if they're still hanging out at malls. It's a reference to Mallrats.
0: I read the IMDB trivia page, and it's like okay. 90% connections to Mallrats. And I was like, okay, I, I don't care. I'm not writing any of these down. So I'm glad oh, you can pick up this slack. <laughs> uh,
1: I I uh, definitely... so. Uh, I'm trying to think of of the specific things that were that were callbacks. The biggest one I remember is like, are you guys still hanging out at malls? Mm-hmm. Um, I think I, think oh, I read th-
0: something about uh, the girls that Alyssa mentions in the club have something to do with mall yeah. rats or their siblings so, or something like that.
1: So there's a there's mention of a gas station where somebody fucks a dead guy that's actually in the movie Clerks. Okay. Um she talks about somebody's funeral like Angela Dwyer I think that's mm. that funeral is actually in the movie Clerks. Um so there's just a lot of callbacks and references to uh to the earlier movies which I think was just Clerks and Mallrats I think. Yes. I, yeah. I looked it up and it looks like Clerks and Mallrats. It goes Clerks Mallrats chasing Amy. Um then Dogma? I think so. So yeah, it's it's just there's a lot of callbacks to that um but yeah, it's to your point about about *Blunt and Chronic* being successful. It's successful to the point that Jansal and Bob, um, being drug dealers, have deal drugs to an attorney who tells them about likeness rights, and they are getting fat <laughs> stacks of cash yes. <laughs> for uh, for likeness rights for this. Um, and then, in fact, Janson and Bob Strike Back*, a movie that comes later, is actually about them trying to get they're they're trying to shut down a movie about Blunt, Man and Chronic from being made because people on the internet are making fun of them. Okay. Okay. <laughs> but they are at that point, still getting likeness rights. And, uh, and they actually talked to Holden McNeil and Banky Edwards, but at that time they're not friends because Holden and Banky part ways. And, uh, and Holden's like, I don't, I don't do Jay and Silent Bob trick back anymore. And, uh, and Banky's like, why do you want to shut down this movie? You're going to make so much money. <laughs> <It's>... <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so, I, I kind of like that's, – that's one thing I like about the Kevin Smith universe is that there's – in some movies, there are, like, other storylines that are important. But then there's this stupid-ass comic book, Man and Chronic, that actually plays, like, this overarching role in sure. the whole universe.
0: Yeah, OK. I mean, I I could not care for that. I'm so soured by – I know this is before the the shared universes of today, but I'm just, like – I don't. I don't care. The thing I will give it is that it didn't. I didn't need to know any of this stuff. You know. No, no, you didn't. And that—that's uh, what I kind of appreciate. Where it's like you know, not, none of this is going to you know break the movie for me. Where even though I didn't like it, I—I I, I, no one can say you know. Oh, you have to see Mallrats first, and this is going to make sense. And it's like no, absolutely, that's not going to make him converting a lesbian any better or worse.
1: <laughs> no. Um, something else. Uh, there's the the scene where. Banky's telling Holden McNeil about the nickname "Finger Cuffs." Yes, and he's talking about Coey, and they're outside of a gas station called Quickie Stop. Yep, and that—that that is the, the, or not? A, maybe that's just a convenience store, but it—but it is the convenience store from Clerks. Yes,
0: yeah, yeah. That one I—I I picked up on because they—they make that very blatant. Like it's, you can see the sign in the background like the whole time. Like even yeah. it's like we were saying with the with the weird uh, directing of this movie. Like the camera's very low. Looking up at the guy, just so you can see the top of the gas station or the convenience store sign in the background.
1: Um, but the guy who works in the, con- the convenience store is actually also in this movie. But I don't. His he's a, he plays a different character. Yeah,
0: he's the um, the movie ex- the guy who wants to make the the TV show or whatever the anime yes. show about yeah, him. Right. In the scene with Matt Damon for you know fifteen seconds, <laughs>
1: right? Because Matt Damon and Ben Affleck are. In as many of these movies as Kevin Smith would get them to be in.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, another crazy thing: a two hundred fifty thousand dollar budget. They were like, you know, okay, we we need a hundred thousand for Matt Damon for fifteen seconds.
1: <laughs> Was did Matt Damon become famous earlier than Ben Affleck did? Uh,
0: I think uh, no, maybe maybe by a little bit, just because I think they both got famous from Goodwill Hunting, but. Matt Damon probably got more oomph from Goodwill Hunting because he was the main character, ah. and Ben Affleck was in it, but he wasn't. You know, he didn't have the um, "It's not your fault" scene with Robin Williams. So, <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, speaking of Goodwill Hunting, I think in uh, in Jane's and Bob Strike Back, they they go to Miramax Studios to shut down this movie mm-hmm. where Jason Bigman and or no, is it Jason Bigman the the Pie Fucker and Dawson's Creek. Guy, are, oh, are playing Jason
0: yeah, It's not and, Jason Bateman. Jason something. Yeah, I know who you mean. For American Pie, yeah. And
1: uh, during the Miramax studio scene, they actually stumble onto the onto the scene of uh, of Goodwill Hunting 2. It's hunting season.
0: <laughs> okay,
1: okay, I, I like that. <laughs> and so like Ben Affleck and Matt Damon are there. It's so, like Ben Affleck plays Holden McNeil and himself in that movie. Right on. Okay. Um, and then like in that scene this guy's like talking shit to matt damon about things that he's read or whatever and then matt damon shoots him with a shotgun
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay i, I i'm pretty sure we watched jay and silent bob strike back together as well but i also have no recollection of that either <laughs> oh man, that movie is great except i i think i remember the end when mark hamill shows up and they have like yep. the the fight he's, or ca- whatever.
1: oh that was another thing i wanted to mention in this movie uh, at the very beginning, with the tracing argument, Banky Edwards calls the guy Cockknocker, okay, which is the name of Mark Hamill's villain in the in the <laughs> Blunt Man and Chronic movie in Jan Sand Bob Shrek Okay,
0: Act. okay, they're all all connected. Okay,
1: yeah, yeah. So he, you know, whether or not Kevin Smith had that idea at that time, he yeah. definitely went back and used it.
0: Oh sure. So I, I guess I did want to talk about the inking scene. This is, this is something I've heard before. I'm not the biggest comic book fan, but Ben knows, and I think our audience knows, that I spent a lot of time at comic book shops when I was a Yu-Gi-Oh! player back in the day. And I've heard people have this argument, and I'm sure someone has had this argument with Kevin Smith which ha- with how much he's involved in, you know, uh, comics and pop culture and, and of, of that uh, ilk and things like that, where mm-hmm. people who are like, you know, you're just tracing or you're just, you know, like adding color – and it's like anyone who says that inking is just tracing or is not like a valid part of comic books, they have never seen a comic book without the ink done because it looks yeah. really fucking stupid. Yes. <laughs> like like when Jason Lee in this movie says, he's like he's like, no, I don't just trace. I add color and depth to the pictures. It's like, yes, the people who draw the comics, the illustrators it's like some of them don't even know what depth is. It's like stick figures before the inker gets their hand on it.
1: <laughs> um, I I will say, you know, in the character act that I've done, there are a lot of times where it's like, I'll have really good shapes and it looks terrible. Mm-hmm. It's like, it, it looks terrible because there's no depth. It's like, you can't tell. I mean, your eye is only half understanding that one thing is in front of another. Yes. And then the depth tells you like, that's definitely the orientation. Um, so yeah, inking, I, I actually I was thinking about that during that scene. Like inking is so incredibly important. The I mean it's not it's not just depth, it's also like line shading. Yep. Like line weighting. Uh, like whenever you're drawing, like one of the one of the things that we do to make sure that you interpret the picture as like this thing's in front of that thing is you make the, the line weight where they cross, like where they intersect, you make the line weight on the thing that's closer to the viewer heavier. Mm-hmm. And it just indicates, like, this is more pronounced to you.
0: Yep. yeah.
1: And your brain just understands that. It's like, so inking Inking is a method of tricking your brain into thinking that two-dimensional images are three-dimensional.
0: Exactly, yeah. And if, uh, if you can do that just by tracing a picture, then you've changed the world. You've changed, right. like, human eyesight as far as we're yes. concerned. Yep.
1: Yeah, so n- nowadays, I, I don't know, like, I, I really don't know that much about... Com- the world of comic books and things like that so i don't know if the illustrators don't do their own inking or, or things like that now um mm-hmm. i do know that the guy who i'm learning from his name is scott harris um he's he's teaching us both illustration and inking sure. at the same time so uh but he's also not he's not a comic book illustrator he's a concept artist uh, okay so i don't know
0: that, like that I, seems I, that seems like the if like if you're a concept artist or a graphic designer you'd want to know both. Whereas right. like in the comic book industry, you know, it it's, it seems makes more sense to separate them just for workflow. Like if someone has right. to draw like thirty pages of a book where they can just do like, you know, the first two and hand it off and speed up the process. It makes sense to split it there, where it's like, sure. could you imagine being a graphic designer and you send someone a logo and they're like, this looks like shit. And they're like, no, 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 I haven't inked it yet. <laughs> <And he's laughs> like, well, I don't want to see it. I want to see the final product. And he's like, I got to send it to my inker. You have to hire another person.
1: <laughs> yeah, so so that's probably the difference. Um, speaking of, I don't know how much you want to get off in the weeds about comic books, um oh, we're, we're, so Marvel...
0: we're going we're off it's Ben Affleck's birthday we're in the weeds already <laughs>
1: <laughs> So so Marvel and DC have um have recently started hiring Well so, okay so they started making some interesting decisions Okay Um I'm I'm not going to assert my opinions on these decisions because I don't want that information to be out there okay. Uh but but they have done things like only allow black artists to work on black characters Oh sure and to not allow them to work on anything else, and so, for instance, the the, the is that Marvel the guy who does Black Panther? Oh, he's yeah. He's a very talented, very talented artist, but because of these new restrictions, he's only allowed to work on Black Panther. Okay. <laughs> and so, like they they they're pushing a lot of their talent out of the industry or out of out of their companies. Because they don't want to just work on themselves in comic book form. They yeah. want to do other things. They want to, like, I'm sure you remember there was a time when playing a character who had a disability or playing a character who was a different race and doing it well was, like, the sign that you are you are an actor worth your salt.
0: Oh, yeah, you know? yeah, good old uh, Forrest Gump. Tom Hanks is not slow, yeah.
1: Right. So, like, the fact that he played that character well and believably and in a way that, that people from that community would would um you know agree with that indicated that he was very talented but but now there's this kind of push where you can't play a character that's not really similar to you
0: yes yeah um yeah i've been hearing about that yep
1: so this goes into into inking and stuff as well so there are some of the best comic book things you can find right now are actually on indiegogo because Uh all of these comic artists have left dc and marvel and they've started making um like high quality, very high quality comics, uh, and they're and they're doing it all through crowdfunding, and they're making like a lot of fucking money, right? On. Like, like millions of dollars for some of these for some of these campaigns.
0: And I'm sure it's I'm sure some of it is more enjoyable because it's not you know committee think and being run by a major company. If you got a, a good team of people that are doing it because they want to do it, I always approve of that type of stuff.
1: Well, and, and that that's exactly right. Is that it's not they're not held. By um, the existing lore, yeah, they're they're making new characters. They're doing whole new things. Um, whereas you know, we, I'm sure you know, uh, Marvel and DC for for year yeah, for decades have just been doing reboots as soon as they run out of <laughs> good story ideas. Like, oh, let's just start <laughs> over.
0: Yes. Oh, that's one of my one of my favorite things is that I have a, a copy of Green Lantern number one, but it's after it's Green Lantern number one after the first reboot. And I love like when people see it and they're like, wow, that's Green Lantern number one. And I'm like after the first reboot and they're like, what does that mean? (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, they ran out of numbers. (laughs) They had to go back to one. So a lot of the a lot of the reason that
1: happens is that they they do things with characters and they end up painting themselves into a corner.
0: Yes. I was about to say that they write themselves into a hole. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, So
1: then they're just like, what do we do now? Start Start over. over. Yeah. Change, Change their costumes a little bit and convince people it's a good idea. So anyway the the reason I the reason I bring that up is is that one of these guys who's done this who's been very successful he used to just be an inker, but then he he learned that he's actually really good at drawing too. Oh, okay, <laughs> right on. So pro- probably from tracing for so long, <laughs> 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 so now he he's actually doing like everything. He's doing the inking, coloring, you know, il- illustration, inking, coloring, um, all of it in in a. And in, in the the comic book series is, it's in space, there's magic, and there's swords. That's all I really know about it. <laughs> but the art's
0: really good. Right on, right on. Yeah, I, I dig that, I dig that. I, I hope that one day we can live in a world where only an interdimensional demon is drawing and inking Hellboy. That's all I've ever wanted.
1: <laughs> right? I, I, I'm actually really offended whenever I hear that Brian from Family Guy isn't voiced by a dog.
0: 100% of the time.
1: I, I didn't, I didn't know he wasn't voiced by a dog or I would have boycotted that show a
0: long time ago. <laughs> oh man. Okay. No, no, that, that's an interesting point to bring up with the, with the, the comics and stuff. Cause that industry is still, I don't know if it's thriving, but it still exists that people seem to forget about. And it's seemingly dying. It, yes. Yeah. So that's why I said, I don't know about thriving, but it still exists. It's going to live, it's going to be there, you know, as niche is as large, it'll fluctuate, I'm sure. But it's uh, it's always crazy all the changes that have gone through comic books over the years, for sure, and all the all the drama behind some of it.
1: I want to see if I can find this picture. So I have a friend who's really into comic books. So I one of one of the things with his character art, like as a way of practicing, I I told I reached out to a friend of mine who I know loves comic books, and I was like, I want to just have a lot of practice, so I want to draw a comic. Do you have any ideas? Sure. And He was like, Yeah. So he's so he started sending me some stuff, and he was just like, I think. He started talking about breaking onto the comic scene and I was like, I'm just really trying to practice, you know, like I, <laughs> I didn't expect this to be something that ever makes me money. I was just yeah. trying to tick around and then he cool. sent me some of the, some of the most recent art from, um, from DC's Wonder Woman comics and I was just like. I didn't realize DC made a Wonder Man comic. And he was like, no, that's Wonder Woman. And I was like, that's clearly a dude. (laughs) When I was looking at this image, I was like, that is clearly a guy. Look how square that jaw is. Like, there's no, there's nothing feminine about this.
0: How dare you gender a two-dimensional character, Ben?
1: (laughs) Well, you know, it's, they didn't have good inking. Yes, Um, (laughs)
0: yes. (laughs) Were the breastplates not big enough?
1: (laughs) Well it, it was like a view from the side so you could only see like the side of her face and it was the manliest face I've ever seen it's like,
0: and the adam's apple stuck out more than the chin <laughs>
1: <laughs> more or less and so so he was like dude your art's already at least this good and, I, and he's like your your art's actually better than this and I was like I mean yeah the the few things that I've spent several hours drawing are better than than <laughs> You know, but it's like when you're drawing a comic you have to you have to pump out so much you can't spend hours and hours on on one image. So like that's I you know, yeah, maybe some of the things I can produce are better than that. But that that's (laughs) aside the point. The the point being that they (laughs) hired some of these comic artists from like Tumblr and shit. Yes. That's that's what he's telling me anyway. So I I don't I'm not I'm not real invested in the comic book world. I don't Mm -hmm. I don't know. Um but uh but yeah anyway, so like I guess to connect this back to chasing Amy, they need talent like Holden McNeil and Pinky Edwards back in the comic book sure, industry. Sure.
0: Yeah, I mean from what they show, the uh the Blunt Man and Chronic Comics don't look terrible. I mean the artwork at least. You never see any of anything other than the artwork, no, I think. No plot or story, it's just art. Yeah, and I, I mean it doesn't look bad. Even though that's kind of a minor the as the movie goes on, it's a very minor part that they are even in the comic book industry it seems. Like that's almost the bookends of the movie. Um, right. but yeah, it doesn't it doesn't look terrible or anything.
1: Yeah, the, them being in the comic book industry is like just how they meet Alyssa Jones.
0: Yes, yes.
1: Because she does uh, idiosyncratic... Routine. Something. Yeah, idiosyncratic
0: routine. And, and it's just like, yeah, this is just a comic. Okay, we don't need to know anything anything about it. Just move along now.
1: <laughs> what? So I guess... Yeah, they, they met each other.
0: Yes, exactly. That That's our, our way to get uh, Ben Affleck and Alyssa introduced to each other and... Um, I definitely had to, like, think for a second or two when she was introduced because uh, Hooper is like, this is Alyssa. And I'm like, wait, isn't her name supposed to be Amy? And I'm like, oh, no, no, I remember. I remember now. (laughs) (laughs) So I have to say I disagree with the critics. Uh, The critics loved uh, Joey. I didn't write her name down. It is Joey Lauren Adams. Who plays Alyssa okay. Jones, yes, and I think she even got uh, some nominations and won some stuff uh, for Best Actress for this movie. I do not agree with that, but I am completely blinded or deafened or all of my senses are turned off. Because her voice is so goddamn annoying to me, (laughs) I do not like her voice at all.
2: Oh, the cry from the heart of a real artist trapped in commercial hell, pitying his good fortune. I'm sure you can dry your eyes on all those fat checks you
0: rake in. And then in the scenes where she starts screaming and, like, sobbing screaming, I was like, I need to lower my volume. (laughs) Like, I (laughs) I cannot handle some of this.
2: Is that what you want to hear? Is it? Yeah, Holden. It's true. In fact, everything you heard or dug up on me is probably true. Yeah, I took on two guys at once. You want to hear some gems you might not have unearthed?
0: So, what did what did you before we talk about her performance? What do you think about her voice in general?
1: Her voice is different <laughs> than a normal, listenable voice. No, I, I don't. I don't know that I hated it as much as you did, but I definitely can understand why you would. It's um not her best feature.
0: Some of some of it is is grading to me, but then when she's when when she's having like the 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 quick dialogue, like trade offs with Ben Affleck, like in the in the bar at the after the convention in the beginning and the dartboard scene, it's like it's way too raspy for me. Ah. Uh, yes. And and it, there's just something about it where I'm like, I've heard so many voices that I love that I would like want to like sing me to sleep or tell me a story like like to to talk about Gili when Ben Affleck reads um I think he reads a a paper towel label to um to the mentally handicapped person they've kidnapped and it's like I would prefer that like I, I would want someone to like Ben Affleck to read me a paper towel label than her talk to me like in uh, uh, Joey Lauren Adams to, like say anything in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> That's that's a little harsh. Um, oh God, it's it's so the when she's when she's like screaming and yelling, it's when I'm losing it. Like that scene after the hockey game when she like freaks she's out. She's like crying in
1: the rain. Yes, or no, that's a different one.
0: That also that scene when they're when she's screaming at him in the rain. I'm just like stop it. I'm like stop. <laughs> stop I'm like, it. I'm like you need something. You need like some type of voice modifier. Like please. <laughs>
1: Stop it. That was me. That was
0: me the other day watching this movie at night.
1: Stop it. (laughs)
0: Stop. Stop. As as far as her overall performance goes, like, I'm going to try my damnedest to get past the voice, but I'm also not impressed. I mean, there's some scenes where it's good, but I I think for the most part, it's like she's just, I I don't know. It's like they're trying – Kevin Smith is trying to get his actors to play way too realistically and it comes off as soap opera-y to me. Like I'm thinking of the scene where they're hanging out after Ben Affleck finds out she's a lesbian and they're like on the swings in the park. And mm-hmm. the way that they're like talking to each other and they're like – they never really have a sustained eye contact. She just like will – they'll glance at each other and they'll look at their feet and they'll like move around on the swing and I'm like, what are they, five years old? And it's like, it's like, the, I, I kind of get what the movie's going for, but it's just like, it doesn't do anything for me. I'm like, just have a conversation, you know?
1: Uh, I, I think you're being overly critical of that. <laughs> I, 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 I think that was fine. Uh, I mean, I've, I've been there. I've talked to people on swing sets. Uh, you're not always looking at each other, especially if you're doing any amount of swing. And the thing that fucked me up about that scene, actually, was that the chains on their swings were different sizes. <laughs> like like they were on the same swing set one swing next to the other and they had different chain sizes um which i don't think was kevin smith's choice i think that was just like something about that playground this
0: is is what we got we're working with it
1: (laughs) yeah I, i thought i thought the realistic nature of their acting was i think for this type of movie like you have to do that you can't they can't be acting you know, like, it's they just got to like well, be talking.
0: Well, well sure, but I, I think it was pushed too hard where it got into the, the like, it was, they were, some of it, some of the scenes made me think it was, like, they were trying so hard to be realistic with the material that it went into, like, the, the soap opera territory where I was, like, kind of seeing through the facade. Not, not all the scenes, for sure, but some of them I was just, like, I was, like, oh, God, like, this is just, this is getting just so sappy and corny and... And some of the, I think some of the dialogue did it for me well, as well with the the, the talking in circles. Like, I felt like the movie was reiterating certain things that didn't need to be reiterated. Like, I guess at the beginning of the movie, the first thing that stood out to me is when um, Ben Affleck and Jason Lee are in the club, and they find out that uh, it's a lesbian club and that, you know, Alyssa's a lesbian, Jason Lee is like, so, like, how do you fuck each other? You just said fuck. Like, what? where's the penetration? And Ben Affleck's like, I'm sorry. I, he's, like, apologizing to Jason Lee because he's like, he's an idiot. And then the next day, they're sitting on the swing sets, and Ben Affleck's like, how do you fuck each other? Where's the penetration? And I'm like, we've heard this already. I was like, we've done this. Why are we doing this again? Um,
1: that's that's a very good and valid point. There's also some stuff where, like, in that conversation about the about virginity, I feel like... She says something about, like, you lose your virginity the first time you make love. Yes. Which, in the previous scene, she she had distinguished, like, between loving somebody and fucking them. Yep. And so, like, it's like, does she believe that she fucked a whole bunch of people and then at some point after that lost her virginity? <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I'm not sure what what I'm supposed to take from that whole conversation. Yeah. I definitely agree that there was, like, there was definitely some reiterating and a little bit of, like, inconsistency and so, like Ben Affleck, as you said, you know, in in the prior scene, he he's just like Banky, you're an idiot, like, mm-hmm. you're an idiot, Banky. And then later, he's like, but I'm actually also an idiot.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, hundred percent. And uh, yeah, some of that got to me where I was like, I since they were going in circles, I was just like, okay, you know, they're they're not really doing anything new with with the with the dialogue, with their acting, and it kind of you know took down the the facade. That being the story. said, I
1: th- I think there are times in social situations where you can know that what somebody's saying is uncomfortable. Sure. And you'd be like, Hey, stop saying this. And then later in a one-on-one scenario, you might feel more comfortable to actually ask those questions like, Hey, this was really uncomfortable, but I, I actually don't know. Yeah. And so, so maybe, maybe you can be a little bit forgiving to, to the writers, (laughs) you know, with that in mind, but definitely there, there was, there was a lot of, Kind of going around in circles, um, and I mentioned earlier that there were some scenes I had problems with. One of the one of the scenes, actually, I think every scene where where Holden and Banky argued with each other about Alyssa and the whole thing oh, is like yeah. the, the acting was just so bad. Like Ben Affleck was like. Pointed at him once in one of the scenes, and I'm just like, "What the fuck is that? Who does that?"
0: Yeah, all the, Yeah, all those scenes where he's like, uh, Jason Banky's getting out him, where he's like, you know, before they're even in a relationship, when he's just like, you know, why are you hanging around with her, all that stuff, and and Ben Affleck is just like, I'm just gonna repeatedly scream, "Let it go," you know? It's like that. That's my that's my character in that moment, and then even later on when you know he's like, uh, Jason Lee's, like, saying bad things about Alyssa, and he's, like, getting angry with him. Ben Affleck's like, she's my girlfriend! Have some respect! He's like, I'm gonna kick your teeth in, or whatever. And then Jason Lee's, like, trying to be tough by whispering to himself, like, after Ben Affleck has left the room, and I'm like, get rid of all of this! I'm like, I'm like, (laughs) we know, we know that we have to hit this point where they, like, their friendship's gonna waver, and they're gonna come back together, you know, or, or attempt to come back together in the end. We don't need any of this stupid, like, I definitely saw that as an attempt at comedy, where Jason Lee is like i've been working out like you better run and it's like oh my god like no we don't need any of that
1: uh i agree that that could have been taken out i mean the fact the conflict needs to be in the story yeah but the the comic relief at the end of the conflict was a poor attempt for sure i can't i can't give kevin smith too much flack for it this is one of his early movies True, and I don't true. think he's like classically trained or anything. I think he was just a guy that that had a camera and wanted to make movies. <laughs> so like, I can't give him too much flack. Um, but but yeah, that was definitely. And like, I don't know. There, I feel like there are people who who do that. Like that is a real thing. Oh sure. It just it feels uncomfortable when people do it in real life too. So so maybe I mean if if his goal was to to do that thing that makes you feel uncomfortable but is realistic, I mean I guess he did achieve that.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely, I guess I, I will give the the movie credit to the the extent where it's like everything that happens in this movie, like the actual like major plot beats, I definitely think have happened before and will happen again. You know, sure. like like all of these interactions with these characters and like the. Um, even like Alyssa says at one point where he's like, she's like, I have, she goes to Ben Affleck's apartment or studio or whatever. And she's like, I have a great idea for a comic book story where like a guy falls in love with a girl or or crushes on her, but then finds out she's a lesbian and like runs away immediately. What do you think? And it's just like, yes, that has definitely happened. You know, like that Mm. idea has happened and will forever happen. And then like the friend getting mad because the guy is the other uh, guy is like has a new girlfriend is spending all the time with him and thinking it's changing him or something like that like that's happened that will always happen and so i I give it credit there that it the the story is very realistic and even the end like i said with the he's like we got to have a threesome like i'm sure that's happened like someone has just been an idiot and totally misunderstood their feelings and how their feelings will impact others and have been like this is clearly what needs to be done
1: yeah that was um that was some dumb shit. That was like an uncomfortable scene. <laughs> yeah. He's like, "We gotta have a three-way," and Alyssa was like, "Don't say it." Yeah. The whole time she knew it was coming. Just don't say it. Um, we gotta fuck each other. <laughs> and He's yeah. <Banky's> like, "Okay."
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and when Alyssa-, Alyssa says no, he's like, "Oh, thank God." <laughs> yeah. That that was that was good. I liked that ending because I think that was where it was like, okay, this isn't just like a, a traditional. You know, run-of-the-mill romantic comedy, comedy, dramedy things like that. Like, there, there is very little reconciliation or, or problem solving in the end. You know. So you you
1: mentioned that some rom coms that followed this took took some cues from this. What uh, what exactly? What cues are? we well, talking
0: I, about? I think the uh, I think the entire kind of structure of not the lesbian idea, but the idea of you know, like two people meet one's interested one is not interested but the other one one of them gets worn down over time or worn worn down is a little strong for this movie i think more movies ran with that later on and then also i think the the entire superstructure of you know it, it def, this definitely wasn't the first movie to do it but i think it brought it more into the romantic sense of the you know the relationship gets good something goes wrong and they have to fix it at the end and that's where this—that's where the, the the lesser versions of this movie run with it—is that the fixing in the end, where this movie knows it does not need to fix it in the end, that life goes sure. on type of thing.
1: Um. So actually, um, I got a, f- a few thoughts on that. There's the the ones like the the basic story structures. Have you seen those uh, any of those lectures where where people talk about like the basic story structures that exist? Um, sure. Yes. I'm pretty, some of them. I'm pretty sure that's this is one of them. Mm-hmm. The like. Uh, or this is one of those story structures applied to personal relationships. Sure. Um, the thing you said about about one one person gets worn down, um, I definitely agree that that, that is sh- too strong of a phrasing for this movie. I, yes. I feel like this movie sells it where she has an internal conflict, but in the end decides that she really does love Holden. Mm-hmm. But in other movies, definitely it comes across as like, the guy won't take no for an answer. And for some reason, that's a good thing. <laughs> and he and he wears down her willpower to the point that she finally gives in lest he continue to be a fucking nuisance. Yeah. It's like, why... I, I don't understand how that became the way that romantic comedies or romantic movies in general, like, are structured. That's not at all a relationship you want in real life. No, no. If no. somebody doesn't respect it when you tell them to leave you alone, they are not going to respect you in any other way, I think.
0: Yeah, yeah. And that, that I think, that has just continued to evolve since, like, the early 2000s to now, where now it it's turned into uh, one person, one person is, like, madly in love with the other, but the person who's in love is, like, terrible, like, just a really bad person. And throughout the course of the story like one or two redeeming qualities are revealed and it cause, causes them to just fall madly in love. Like they can see past right. everything. Like that's where it has gone it's gone now. And I think that's just a a poor evolution of an already that's, poor idea. It's batshit. It's that is not like, if you're in that relationship, leave it. Like <laughs> just stop it. We we need to I would love to write a, like a romantic movie where like someone is just straight up like a murderer, or, like, just a criminal, like, a hardcore, like, terrible person, and they're, like, trying to, like, fall in love, or get this other person to fall in love with them, and then there's one scene where they're at dinner, and the person's continuing to be just absolutely terrible, and maybe, like, actually committing crimes, like, on camera. (laughs) And then there's, like, a three-minute story about how, like, their parents were mean to them and the main character's like my parents were mean to me too and then it's just like cuts to wedding immediately (laughs) we need to make that movie (laughs) that's pretty good because it's so Uh, it's just so stupid like like all these things that do it's like the I I think, you know, this movie started, I think it started that, and what we're describing maybe was like the mid to late 2000s where they had the the worn down type of thing. But maybe right after this movie, it continued, the start of it was the guy likes girl, guy can't have girl for whatever reason, so they form a friendship. And then in grand dramatic fashion, fashion, guy needs to confess his feelings at a certain point. Yes, like that. that. I think that's where this movie, like, really like pushed that hard, and a lot of things kind of started taking it that way. With a lot more, you know, with those. I'm thinking of those like uh, raunchy teen comedies and stuff like that. That would be like the heart of the movie. Would be the like, got to get the the girl that's out of my league, and so I got to confess to her type of thing, and and being in the friend zone and that type of stuff.
1: I think there's a movie called She's Out of My League.
0: It is. Yeah, there sure. is a movie, and I, I think it's many years after this, um, yeah. and I don't remember it being very good from what I saw. <laughs> if I
1: the, if it's the if it's the movie that I'm thinking of, I should remember. There's one line that's really funny. Um, they're on a plane, and this like person's using their phone, okay. and the guy next like they they're told to turn their phones off, and the guy next to the to the girl like it's like hey you need to turn your phone off, and she she looks at me and says are you a plane doctor. <laughs> 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 and he's like, no, and then she says, go shit in your hand. Excuse me, you're not supposed to be on your phone, it's bad for the plane.
2: Oh, I'm sorry, are you a plane doctor? No, so shut the fuck up. I'll tell
1: you what, I'll
0: just leave it at Lost and Fair for you, how
1: about that?
2: She's talking on her phone. Dude, go shit in your hand.
0: <laughs> okay, that that sounds like, I'm pretty sure it's she's out of my league, the main guy character is like a TSA agent. So I think some is, of it takes place around planes or in planes. So that could be okay. it. Yeah.
1: Is uh is it the guy from How to Train Your Dragon? Is that the main character? Yeah,
0: Jay. Uh, yeah, the animated guy. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the animated in the live dude. Is <laughs> in, it's like Who Framed Roger Rabbit. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I'm pretty Frame sure that's him. Uh, Jay Jay Baruchel. Yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah. Um, I don't know. I I guess I find the the state of those kinds of like romantic comedies and stuff to be crazy. Uh, but I, also to the point that like, so, so, you know, you mentioned like shitty person two redeeming qualities or whatever. Mm-hmm. They fall in love happily ever after. Yeah. N- none of that is realistic in the slightest. No. Normally, yeah. normally it's like two people that are each flawed and they have, you know, their own struggles and they, they decide to fall in love or they, or they do fall in love with each other. And then, then they realize how actually awful they are, and then they decide to stay together anyway because it's still worth it some for some reason. Mm-hmm. And then their life continues in that fashion. <laughs> so, yep. it's, like, it's not it's not happily ever after. It's like choosing to be committed to a person despite the fact that they are flawed, and and maybe you yeah. know m- maybe you accept and like some of their flaws, but they are flawed, and and uh, and so happily ever after just isn't real. And I I, I guess maybe because. You only have two hours, and so you got to <laughs> tell a story. And <laughs> yeah, but like I feel like it creates a lot of unrealistic expectations in people.
0: Ex- exactly. Um, yeah, and I, I think that that's that's something we, we're all familiar with, us and the audience, is that you know you grow up seeing these condensed stories that have such you know contrived endings and plot beats and stuff like that. That when you go into the real world and you think that's how it works, it's you're always sorely uh, shown that you're wrong. Oh but,
1: yeah. It's like well, no couple, no matter how well adjusted, is completely happy with each other all the time.
0: Oh yeah, a hundred percent. That's just a fact of human relationships. Yeah, you can't be around somebody that much and not <laughs>
1: occasionally be irritating.
0: Yes, with
1: them. Like it's just, I don't know. And you know, so not to not to get too off in the weeds talking about just the state of romantic comedies <laughs> and relationships in general, but I think that's some horseshit that Hollywood needs to pay for. We should cancel Hollywood.
0: Oh, de- definitely. <laughs> I think I think they're like more than halfway on the way to canceling themselves, but you know they could do it with a little extra push.
1: <laughs> I mean, uh, COVID helped by shutting down the movie theaters yep,
0: for several yep. months. <laughs> no, I mean with with these issues of, um, you know, the the romantic aspects we've been talking about. You know, that's not to say that there aren't some. Uh, better versions of these things like like this like i said with the ending of this movie i really enjoyed that with the you know he's like we gotta have a threesome and they're like this is a bad idea like you're an idiot you clearly don't understand your own feelings or anybody else's and i'm like that that that's a good thing i I thought that was a redeeming quality for this movie um something we talked about last month which is an older movie but um the, the movie the war of the roses like it is a completely cynical look at divorce like, it is, like, imagine the divorce goes incredibly wrong, and it's, like, to the point where the, the last 20 minutes of the movie is the couple, like, have boarded themselves up in their house and are, like, trying to murder each other type of thing. Like, okay. it's it's great. And the movie starts all lovey-dovey, and it's just, like, the decline of marriage and the nastiness of divorce. And okay. and I'm sure there's there's more recent examples we can think of that are... You know, things that, that don't always work out in the way that, like, a happy-ending fairy tale would. And I think that's where this genre kind of thrives, is showing off more of the realistic aspects of relationships. And, and we do—I would want more of that in these types of movies. I haven't seen any recent, you know, rom-coms or romantic dramedies, oh, but I'm sure looks- that they are they are very much that structure we've been talking about that we don't like.
1: There's a movie called This is Forty. Okay, the guy who played Ant
0: Man, Paul Rudd. Sure,
1: that movie is—I feel like a very realistic, uh, maybe not analysis, but a realistic uh, portrayal of a marriage Mm -hmm. that has entered that—that is beyond the the stage of like the honeymoon, lovey-dovey. Everything is romantic, and there's like there's a point where he's like, "I think I have hemorrhoids." You look at my ass. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Okay. Uh, and that movie is is pretty uncomfortable to watch, but I think it's very realistic in some ways. Um, so, yeah, there you go.
0: Okay, right on. the other, The other thing that comes to mind is, um, even though it has a, a slew of problems on its own, the I, 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 the ending of uh, Five Hundred Days of Summer always stands out to me, where they don't get together in the end. You know, uh, uh, whatever Zoe Deschanel and um, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Oh, and speaking of Joseph Gordon-Levitt. I think a romantic movie we both enjoyed, uh, Don John. That, yeah. That was a good one because we love the scene where he's like fawning over Scarlett Johansson and then realizes she's just like a total bitch. And he's like, I don't need you in my life. Yeah. So those types and he of He ends up with that,
1: that older lady who's just like yes. weird sex things.
0: Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That, that movie had some very interesting views on sex, but yeah. the scene that stands out to me, I've only seen it that one time with you. And I remember thoroughly and we thoroughly enjoyed it. But there's that scene where they're like him and Scarlett Johansson are at like a grocery store or something and he wants to pick up like Swiffer mops and she's like I'm not going to be seen buying cleaning supplies. And he's like I like cleaning my apartment. She's like no, we're going to get a maid. And and it was just like it's so
2: Listen, you decide what color. I'm going to meet you at the registers. Just want to pick up a few things and cleaning products, okay? What?
0: Well, where are you going?
2: What? Where are you going? Nah, I'm almost out of Swiffer pads. I'm just gonna what? pick a few up. <laughs> what pads? What? Gonna... With a Swiffer. I don't know what that is. You don't a Swiffer? What is Seriously? that? Seriously? No. Oh, babe, it's the best. You gotta try it. What do you do for your floors? You got those nice floors in your place. What do you mop? No. What do you do? I, don't know, I sweep it up with a broom. No, I mean to really clean it. I don't know, the housekeeper does it. Oh, right. Yeah. Liz, I'll just be a second, okay? No, no, but, 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 come here. What? You're not going to go buy a mop right now, it's embarrassing, okay? Oh, babe, I told you, it's not a mop, it's these pads. I don't care, you shouldn't be doing your own housework anyway. Why not? Because you're a grown man. I mean, you shouldn't be cleaning your own floors. Oh, I enjoy doing it. Look, you know what? I'll call Rosa for you, she'll do your place. Who? Rosa, my cleaning lady, she's great. Oh, babe, no, You know, thanks for that. I like doing it myself. What, are you kidding me? Come on, you don't got to be doing that. Nah, babe, she won't do it right anyway. You got to vacuum my carpet a certain way or else it looks like. Don't over- talk about vacuuming in front of me, come on. Why? What's wrong? Why? Because it's not sexy, that's why. Babe, you're not listening to me. I like my place, okay? I'm proud of it. I like to take care of it. I don't care. We're not having this discussion right now. No, listen, there's only a few things I really care We're about. We're not my- talking about this anymore.
0: It's, so, it's just so extreme that it shows off that, like... Flaw in the relationship so well, yeah. That those types of romantic movies, I'm all about that show off the problems in these relationships.
1: <laughs> so I actually, I, I don't, I don't know how true it is because I don't, I, I barely keep up with uh, pop culture stuff at all. There's a guy on YouTube who uh, he does a show called The Quartering, okay. and I listened to him some, and he, you know, I think he did a, a thing, a section where he's talking about uh, Scarlett Johansson is is now kind of past her prime and having trouble finding a, a romantic relationship. <laughs> just, so, like, I think that movie rubbed off on her a oh, little bit. Okay, okay.
0: <laughs>
1: or maybe that movie was just uh, Signs of Things to Come.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'd have to... I, I remember thinking that... I'll, I want to check it out again, because I remember we watched it and we had only, like, known about the trailer. And the trailer <laughs> is, like, wholeheartedly this guy is addicted to porn and now he has to get into a relationship. And then the movie's like barely about that. Like he likes porn. He's not really like addicted to it. He gets in trouble because of it, but it's more about like him understanding his own feelings and sexuality than porn Um, addiction or anything.
1: Definitely. He is addicted to porn though, uh, in the movie. Okay. Okay. To the, to the point that like in, there's a scene where he wakes up after being asleep with, Scarlett Johansson to go watch porn, and he like <laughs> takes a while to figure out the porn he wants to watch.
0: <laughs> What's wrong with that? This doesn't sound like addiction. <laughs> it sounds like everyone I know. <laughs> uh, I
1: think the the part that makes it seem like addiction is that he's hiding it from. Sure, from sure. Okay. Scar
0: yeah, I, I I'll have to check out that movie again because I remember enjoying it. It'll be interesting to see how it holds up for sure. Yeah, we
1: should uh, do an episode about it.
0: Oh yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Joseph Gordon Levitt. I like him, too, and I think he... I remember him being good in that movie. I'll put it on the list. Okay, okay, that was our good 20-minute aside on relationships. <laughs> <laughs> Which, uh, yeah, so th- this movie... Um... When, are, when
1: are we just going to bite the bullet and become a relationship advice podcast, Rob?
0: <laughs> Re- welcome to Relation Modities, where every week we talk about strange relationships. <laughs> so, So I guess we do have to talk about... Since I know we're jumping around a little bit, but we are kind of still near the beginning of the movie. And I, I do want to bring it up because I know you had some said you had some issues with it as well. the The first scene of them meeting where they're playing darts with each other. That scene where they're throwing darts at the camera. So the scene is set up that the dartboard is at the audience. So we are basically the dartboard looking at the two of them playing darts. And the first thing I want to mention is that in this bar... The dartboard is apparently directly across from the men and women's bathroom. That seems like a great place to have people winding up dart throws where doors are opening right behind you, right? And also, I don't know if you noticed this, Ben, but in that scene, we see men leave and enter the women's bathroom, and we see women leave and enter the men's bathroom. I did not notice that. I was trying to think of some reason for this. I don't think the movie has a big reason for this. And I think it was just Kevin Smith being like, oh, yeah, we can jam so much into this scene, it's going to be great. And it fails because every time. Don't, don't get us wrong, they're throwing darts at the dartboard during this scene. And we have to watch them stupidly throw it at this low arc so it doesn't hit the camera. <laughs> Mm -hmm. and so the the line of sight tells us that the dartboard is at crotch level to both of them and it's it's just it's so distracting and of course they're barely talking about anything real because it's like what the first 15 minutes of the movie it's their first time they're talking with each other and i just could barely focus on it because it was just like watching these darts just just do this lob directly in front of the camera you got people going in and out of the bathrooms, and it's so cramped. Everything's so close together. I'm like, you should have just left them at the table. They should have kept talking at the table they were at before.
1: So my, my big problem with that scene, uh, aside from the location of the dartboard, is they are not keeping any kind of score.
0: That I'm glad you reminded me. I did not write that down, but I thought about that as well, that they're aimlessly throwing darts. And, like, I think
1: it shows one of them, I don't remember, I, maybe Alyssa Jones, making, like, several bullseye throws in a row, and, and then, like, I don't know, they, that just kind of bothered me, They're, the fact that they were, as you said, aimlessly throwing darts. Yes. I, the the precursor to that scene, or, or the, the line that led up to that scene, I liked a lot, though. She was like, do you play darts? And he said, not professionally. Only in <laughs> Only bars. Only in bars,
0: yeah.
2: You play darts?
1: Uh, not professionally, you know, only in bars. Yeah, I yeah. There, there's pretty...
0: definitely some good dialogue in this movie with the relationship, with the wittiness and stuff like that, and and that is definitely a good one. I think I have more of an issue with it when it gets into that like, just uh, cursing and raunchiness for this for like no real reason, you know. Like, like, when people are, like, calling, it's like, oh, we're just going to call each other names. So you have, like, Cockknocker and Cunt rag, And it's like, I get oh, that's yeah. Kevin Smith style. And that's, like, the Clerks movie amplifies that. Clerks 1 and 2, like, amplify that to a ten bajillion. But yeah. it's just, I'm just like, oh, my, like, calm I'm like, calm down. I'm like, this, I think you said it well before when you were, like, when I saw, what, Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back or whatever when you were ten. It, it you, you loved it. If I saw these movies I was ten, I would be like, oh, my God. Cockknocker, knocker like whoa and it's like now in our late 20s we've heard every combination of every bad word that can ever be made like Definitely. every permutation and i'm just like this i'm like this does nothing for me you know it's it's not interesting i'll give you that yeah yeah
1: the only reason that i liked the cock knocker is because it's uh it's a nod so sure. yeah it's a reference yeah, so but like, they,
0: they, they, they say like fuck knob and and fuck hard and all those combinations and i'm like and I, I think at this point, with how much I've been more critically, I've been thinking about movies, I imagine someone actually writing this. And that's the thing that always gets me, where I can't imagine being, like, by yourself or in a writer's room. And you're like, and I'm just imagining someone sitting there be like, hmm, cock knocker or fuck knocker? Like, which one fits this scene better? And it's like, <laughs> it's like, how how could you ever think that way? <laughs>
1: Yeah. So the the cunt rag thing is like he's talking about Banky Edwards as a yeah. child. He's just like, well, a nun called him a cunt rag.
0: <laughs> yeah, and it's it's uh, you know, but like I said, that that's Kevin Smith. I think that's just apparent in all of his his stuff, and especially when you get you know Jay talking in all those scenes where he's just every combination of curse words and just random tangents about raunchy stuff. That's that's just his whole shtick, right?
1: Which, I mean. I don't know. It, it, in like I said, in Janice on and Bob Strike Back, it really works pretty well. Uh, but that is like the whole the whole point of that movie is that you're just following these fucking crazy guys who yeah. just say a bunch of dumb shit like that. Whereas in a movie like Chasing Amy, that's trying to be a little more serious, um, it's not clear that it fits very well.
0: Um, yeah, yeah, and I I especially felt that way in the. Um, I think this goes to my point of how some scenes were too long. End with this uh, idea that we're talking about when. Jason Lee is drawing that picture, and he's like, there's a the four-way intersection. There's a crisp $100 bill in the middle. And he's right. like – and the way he describes the uh, the two women, because the other two characters are Santa Claus and the Easter Bunny, it's just – there's so many adjectives on them. And it's right. just so – it's like overly descriptive, and the scene takes like three and a half minutes just for the point for Jason Lee to be like, lesbians hate men. Like that March. is the entirety of that interaction. And it takes so long to get to that because it seems like Kevin Smith just wants to jam in like crazy curse words and, and funny things to call people type of stuff. And I'm like, all right, now see this, this is a four way road. Okay. And dead in the center is a crisp new hundred dollar bill. Now at the end of each of these streets are four people. Okay. You following? Yeah. Good. Over here, we have a male, affectionate, easy-to-get-along-with, non-political agenda, lesbian. Down here, we have a man-hating, angry-as-fuck, agenda-of-rage, bitter dyke. Over here, we got Santa Claus, and up here, the Easter Bunny. Which one is going to get to the $100 bill first?
2: What is this supposed to prove?
0: I'm serious. This is a serious exercise. It's like an SAT question. Which one is going to get to the hundred dollar bill first? The male-friendly lesbian, the man hating Dyke, Santa Claus, or the Easter Bunny? The man hating Dyke. Good. Why? I don't know. Because the other three are figments of your fucking imagination! I'm like, I get it. I understand. You don't like or these characters don't like these people. Um, I think that's it's more care I think it's definitely
1: showing you more of Banky's character, um, which makes the separation of Holden and Banky's friendship a little easier to stomach, I think. <laughs>
0: <laughs> You're like, I get it. Yeah. I get it. I mean, you know, I would have got I, I think what I'm saying is I would have gotten it without that scene because we do. I'm pretty sure that comes after the scene where Banky is just showing pornographic images to the little kid at the train station. <laughs> and I'm like. I'm like, I got it. I'm like, the point has been made. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, he's he's a fuckwit for sure. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Banky's do, does he have redeemable qualities? I guess he's kind of loyal, but he's also undermining and a dick. So like, yes,
0: yeah, yeah. He he's the person that there should be another um, Kevin Smith universe movie about him in the movie we were talking about where he has no redeeming qualities, but he has a sad childhood story. So someone falls in love with him. He should be Definitely. the main character.
1: <laughs> that sounds great.
0: Let's do it. <laughs> Kevin Smith might have that already written or something.
1: <laughs> How long can that movie be?
0: Oh God. If, <laughs> if, we, if we just have like, it'll be 90 minutes of complaining about comic books and pop culture. And ten minutes of, of sad childhood story cut to wedding. <laughs> There's going to be a whole act is going to be the Archie being gay thing again. They're going to bring that back. <laughs> nice. I could see, it, like, in this day and age, Jason, uh, Banky would, like, give a TED Talk or something. Like, he would, he would find a way to, Archie like, is? yeah, he would, like, find a way to, like, get on stage at a TED Talk or something. And it would be like... Him saying the raunchiest, like most argumentative things, just with constant cuts to like old edu- uh, academic people in the audience, like having shocked reactions. <laughs> that's the scene. We just okay. Where's our, we need our residuals when this movie comes out? Like, <laughs> we should be getting checks in the mail after this.
1: Right on. Yeah, I'm, I'm down. <laughs> I need that passive income.
0: Yeah. So, so the dartboard scene definitely stood out to me as like you know, there's there's too much going on in the scene that's too distracting. I think that was the, the biggest one. I I think that some of the other scenes, not really as distracting or anything like that, but the ones that went on too long, the the sex stories scene in the lesbian club. Oh, yeah, that
1: was weird.
0: I think that went on way too long, and I don't care if it is supposed to be an homage to Jaws. Like, that's what it is supposed to be, like, trading the shark injuries from Jaws. It's that. Oh, really? And I don't care, even if he's trying to do something artistic and and y too many sex stories and then yeah. laughing hysterically for like 60 seconds straight i'm like no i'm like J-, i'm like i can tell ben affleck does not want to be there just let them leave
1: <laughs> yep yeah ben affleck's character it probably described me as an audience member <laughs> during that scene also <laughs> yes so i I'll, I'll get on board with that one that one was like after the after the second each of their first story so like when we get to the third story i'm just like oh we're still doing this yeah
0: yeah and it <laughs> That, that's where it goes into that. It's like it's being raunchy for the sake of being raunchy. And it's like, is that n- inherently – not inherently comedy. Is that inherently comedic? To some people, sure. I'm sure there's some people that find that very funny. But sure. it's just it's just so overdone in this movie, I think. Mm-hmm. And then the the third scene that definitely stood out to me as way too long is um, Ben Affleck talking to Hooper in the record store where they're apparently in the longest – deepest record store in existence because the Mm. whole scene is the two of them talking and slowly moving down the aisle of the record store and it's like five minutes it's like it's like what fast and the furious 75 where they they're like chasing a plane on a runway and the scene is like half an hour long it's like it's the longest runway in the world this is the longest record store in existence they never reach the end of it they just keep talking and talking And that's another scene where I think they're going in circles because that's when Ben Affleck's, like, Banky did, like, research. He found an old yearbook, and uh, her nickname was uh, Finger Cuffs. And, uh, should I confront her? Should I do this? Do that? Do the other thing? And Hooper just, like, keeps telling him, like, the same basic information of, like, just ask her. I'm like, don't be an idiot. Like, you know, like, be a real person. And he's just yeah. like, but I am an idiot. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but I, too, am also stupid. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, starting to, I'm starting to see what you're, what you're pointing out about, about these scenes being too long. I do think that they... It, it does speak to the reality, though. Like, if you've ever been that person who just, like, has this thing on your mind, it's like... Oh, sure. Yeah, you're gonna have a conversation that's too long about it.
0: Yes. Yes. I, I'm sure I'm sure we've all been there before when someone's, you know, got something under their skin and you're trying to help them with it. And it's just like, they just repeat the same things. And it's like, do you want my help? Do you want my advice? Or do you just want to talk to me, you know? Or talk at me?
1: They're just stuck.
0: Yeah, it's... yeah. And I, I guess since since i've lived that and i'm probably going to live that in the future i don't need to see it in a movie i think that's that's my thing
1: i I mean i could see why you might feel that way but i i think that it does a good job of being real being like a real scenario fair like i think that that overall like what this movie's trying to achieve is is like a realistic chain of events Mm -hmm. like things that could happen Sure. And and some of them some of them are not ideal. Like you're not watching an ideal. And, and I don't even mean an outcome. I mean in like execution. Yeah. Like some of some of the the scenes. Like yeah yeah. It's not ideally. This would have been two sentences, and then all the information would be conveyed, and everybody would would move on. But in real life, that's just not how it works. Exactly. So, sometimes you talk to people that are more repetitive. Sometimes you talk to people that. ...that are stuck and they just need need to get that... ...you know, they need to unstick themselves... ...and they're talking to you as if they want your advice... ...but in reality they're just in some amount of turmoil... ...and they just want to talk.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, no, you're, you're definitely not wrong there. Yeah, I, I think that's that's the difference between our, our two opinions... ...is that exactly what you just said. But I also wanted to mention with that, with that scene... ...another part of it that goes on too long... ...and is not about the relationship aspect... ...is when Hooper gets confronted by the little kid who's his fan... And he has to be like the uh, the black power dude again, and right. th- this made no sense to me because this is set up. We didn't mention this, but the setup at the beginning of the movie is that like Hooper is advertising his comic, which is called like what White Hayden? <laughs> White Hater, yeah. or something along those lines, S- something like that. Yeah, and and he's pretending to be like this this really militant, like you know, black power type of person, and because we find out in the reveal that that's what like sells his comic book, and. Right. When the movie started, I'm like, okay, you know, did they do that for laughs? The movie kind of goes on where Ben Affleck has to suppress his feelings while he's just friends with Alyssa. And I'm like, Mm. oh, that's actually interesting. Like, you know, this dude had to put on a persona that was completely different from how he really feels to sell his comic book. And Ben Affleck had to put on a different persona to, you know, stay around this girl that he likes. And I'm like, that's pretty interesting. Like, that duality of, you know, how people act around for their audience versus themselves, Sure. But then the scene at the record store, when Hooper puts on the the face again to to deal with his fans, that's after Ben Affleck is already in a relationship with Alyssa, and I'm like, mm. it doesn't matter anymore. Like he's he's already broken out that persona. Now he's himself with Alyssa, and and it, I'm just like, so this just seems like they're doing it for another comedic beat where Hooper's like, you see that guy over there? He's the devil. Never take your eye off the white man. And the guy and the little kid's like power. And it's just like, why? <laughs>
1: Uh, yeah, I think that was that was in there, just for comedy. I, I yeah. don't know that it served any kind of purpose.
0: alaikum, little brother. <laughs> 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 it's just like, I'm like okay, I'm like yeah, this is the late '90s. You could get away with that stuff, Kevin Smith. <laughs> uh,
1: what is what alaikum? That's like is that Muslim?
0: Yeah, yeah, the, yeah, Muslim. Yeah. So I, I think he was going for like um. A, well, I think 100% uh, Hooper in his persona is going for like the Malcolm X vibe. It was Malcolm X, Muslim? yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure he was part of the Muslim Brotherhood, and all that stuff.
1: Okay, it's just interesting because, like, the black community are, in America is largely Christian,
0: which we are definitely experts on, everybody. <laughs> right? Yeah, I'm. I'm actually black and Muslim. You can you can tell with the way that we are we are questioning each other and ourselves as we say these things. We are experts on this topic.
1: <laughs> Malcolm the, X is my grandfather.
0: The awkward tension in this part of the conversation is clearly indicative of our mastery of this concept. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I, I think that was that was that stuff where I was like, okay, you know here we're just going through it. the movie has all this extra these beats of comedy that they want us to hear. I, another thing, I think it's before this, but not that it went on long. I just thought it was unnecessary and like atrocious. There's that scene where Ben Affleck explains the concept of arcade and arcade tickets to Alyssa. Oh, And I'm just like, no one needs this. I'm like, no one in the world needs this. Just show them playing skee-ball. Like, you don't need to explain, you get the tickets, and then you give the tickets for prizes, and you spend more money on the tickets than the prizes actually cost. And it's like, yes, everyone is aware of this. And even if they weren't, it adds nothing to the movie.
1: I mean, it's it's just a date interaction. Like, that's that whole interaction is just to show them on a date.
0: I would dump him so fast even if i didn't understand arcades if you started explaining the concept to me i'd be like we're done
1: i think she asked i think she asked him like what what do you do and he's like you you throw these balls and she's like why don't you just go put them up there like she asked in in the scene she was just like i am stupid girl i don't know thing and and he
0: was like i am a smart man let me tell you do you think do you think that was a ben affleck script note he was like he was like listen I want to mansplain arcade games to somebody in this movie. <laughs> I don't care who it is. Kevin, write me a scene where I mansplain an arcade game. <laughs> you think Ben Affleck wanted
1: that? Yeah, De- 100%. <laughs> I, I think Ben Affleck wanted to mansplain arcade games to Banky. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, they just couldn't find a way to fit that in. So it ended up being Alyssa.
0: What if it was, wasn't was even, like, a... um like a scripted scene, like they were just at an arcade. They were planning on shooting a different scene. And Ben Affleck just ran over to the skee-ball section and just started telling the entire cast and crew about arcade games. And Kevin was just like, roll it, roll it. Let's just get this. Throw throw Joey, Joey Lauren Adams in there. Just go. So
1: I, the thing you're missing is that they were actually filming a different movie when this happened. <laughs>
0: Kevin Smith's documentary on arcade games. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, and he's like, oh, that will be good in Chasing Amy. I,
0: I definitely didn't like that. I didn't like the friendship montage, but I think I just have a dislike of montages in general. When it's all them doing little funny things to each other while music is playing. And like, oh, yeah. And I'm just like, I'm like, I get it. You know, they're going to be friends. Where the hell else would this movie be going right now, you know? Sure. And and so that I didn't care for, but the the scene that I mentioned earlier that I have, you know, fuck this scene in my notes is the confessing his love to her and then them screaming at each other in the rain. Oh yeah, you didn't like that? That is definitely something I think has been taken from this movie into a lot of, you know, rom-coms of the 2000s and, you know, even more recently, like the mm. the caught in the rain type of scene. Sure. And especially, the thing I think I hated about it the most was the just the monologue of her being like, you can't do this to me. This is unfair. Like this is not okay. He says stupid shit, she gets angry at him. But all that doesn't matter cuz she runs back to him and kisses him in the rain and the music swells up and I'm just like, "Oh god." I'm like, "No." I'm like, "They I'm like, "Stay in the car." <laughs> <laughs> hey, she loves him. That's how that's how we find out. <laughs> yeah, that scene I was just like, "Oh no." Cuz I I feel like I could Once again, this goes back to what I was saying where I'm watching it from the mindset of seeing a lot of these types of movies now. We're back in 1997. I don't know. Who knows if you watch this movie and you think this is going to be like the end of their friendship? Maybe it was a surprise that she runs back and kisses them. But oh, I could sure. see it coming from a mile away. Like as soon of as course. they left the car and it was raining, I was like, "They're they're fucking at the end of this scene. Like that that is just done. Like that you could I would like bet money on it. You know, at that point.
1: Sure, yeah. And so I think I think that you're right. If if we didn't if you didn't have all the other experiences, you you would yeah. see that scene and maybe. Maybe some part of it would be a surprise. As far as I was concerned, that was just like a feel-good type of
0: yeah, way it's to the, introduce
1: their situation—the
0: upswing of their relationship yeah. type of thing. Which, which we had to go. You know, it's like the halfway mark in the movie. We still got a lot right. to go and all that stuff. And but after that scene, as like it transitions from like the night into morning, um, there is a shot of the twin towers because they were still around oh. at this point. And I think that's very offensive. Kevin Smith should go back in and remove them. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that that makes this movie unwatchable.
1: I actually didn't even notice. So. Okay.
0: Okay. And so, but yeah, but yeah. Of course, uh, some just like Ben Affleck's birthday. When anybody anybody shares a Ben Affleck's birthday, we mention it. Uh, whenever there's Twin Towers imagery or 9/11 imagery, we mention that as well on Cinemondies. Okay. So this one has both. Look at that. <laughs> So at this point in the movie, once they get together and we get some scenes of them like laying together or in bed or they're like on more intimate outings with each other, like dates or whatever. They start to talk a lot more about their relationships or their relationship and like the concept of soulmates and how she's like, you know, I shut out men for some reason, blah, blah, blah. This is where the movie really starts to make me think of Gigli. So Gigli, okay. of course, came, comes out later. I think that was 2002 or 2003. I got I to gotta ask you, Ben, have you seen Gigli? I have not. Okay. So we did an episode on it last – sometime. I don't know. We're in a time vortex. But there is an episode of Cinemodities about it. And I'm pretty sure I say in that episode, this is one of the few movies I actually believe everybody needs to see. Like okay. it is so bafflingly insane that it exists. It needs to be seen for, like, every reason. For story, for acting, for how much superpower is behind it and how small it feels. Check out the Gigli episode and watch the movie. But the main thing for this discussion is that Gigli, if you remove the mentally handicapped person they've kidnapped, the primary okay. point of the movie is that Ben Affleck is in love with uh, J-Lo... But J-Lo is a lesbian, and throughout the movie, he converts her, and he successfully, like, starts a relationship with her at the end of the movie. So a little different from Chasing Amy because they start the relationship in the middle, but there's a lot of scenes of Ben Affleck and J-Lo talking about, like, sex and men and women and which are better and, like, relationships and stuff like that. And chasing Amy gets a little more into the concept of, I guess, soulmates or like finding someone to spend the rest of your life with, where Geely right. is much more just like, like you got to give everything a try type of thing. <laughs> and, okay. But but they they are very very similar. But hmm. in the Geely episode, I do mention chasing Amy, and I would love to ask Ben Affleck if if Geely is his kind of like correction for chasing Amy because he does not end up with the lesbian in chasing Amy but he does end up with the lesbian in Gili. So okay. I'm just kind of wondering did like did he need to finish both of them? Like he needed a movie in both categories type of thing.
1: <laughs> it's like his counterbalance. Yeah, I've I've not seen Oh, okay, so the sorry, I... you said a lot of stuff. The thing that stuck out to me
0: I said like three words Ben, come on.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so she she talks about how like she didn't Dis- date men because she thought that she needed to try to date women or something Yeah, so like that whole conversation didn't make any fucking sense um, and, not, and I don't have a problem with that from the movie perspective because sometimes people don't make sense but her character didn't make sense in that time she was just like I thought that I should open myself up to the possibility of women and at no point did it occur to me that shutting myself down to the possibility of men was like the exact opposite of that
0: yeah, I, I had trouble understanding that as well, because it, it seemed like some of the things she was saying in within scenes or between some, you know, consecutive scenes were very contradictory. Yes. Where she's saying she's saying something like, you know, why should anybody like if, if you're only into one gender, you're you're cutting off like half of your chance of finding a soulmate. And I'm like, but that isn't that what you but, did when you said you're yeah. only going to date women? I was like, yep. I was like, so what are you really? Yeah, OK, I'm glad we're there. I was going to ask you about Maybe she thought it was a Monty Hall problem,
1: and she should switch her answer.
0: (laughs) The Monty Hall, she fundamentally understands the Monty Hall problem and recreated it with two doors. (laughs) 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 Or she's like, no, three doors is the same as only having two doors, and the third choice is opening both of them. (laughs) Now that's the best Monty Hall problem. Well, that that's where it becomes like some cynical thing where it's like, oh, you choose to open both doors and they're both goats and you're fucked. <laughs> yeah. I, okay. I was gonna ask you about that because I was so confused as well in some of those scenes. Yeah, it doesn't make any
1: sense. And she she's like, I made my decisions and I'm like, I'm happy with the, my outcomes and shit. And I was just like, you don't make any fucking sense. Like you're just <laughs> you're just talking. Goddamn women. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I definitely, that, that was where, you know, even though those scenes reminded me of Gigli, I think Julie didn't get bogged down in, like I said, it doesn't get into the concept of the soulmate too much. It's more about the the intimacy aspect of it, where it works better in Gigli, even though it's baffling, but it's just like, like there's an extended scene where Ben Affleck is like, just talking about how, like, great the penis is, and how, like, there shouldn't be lesbians because it's like, that's like the peak of sexuality, and JLo comes back with, like, no, like, every decision in human history has been in some way motivated by the vagina. That's the peak of sexuality. And it's, it's a crazy scene where they're just discussing this. While Jennifer Lopez is doing, like, sexy yoga in barely any clothes, that's this scene. This movie's amazing, everybody. <laughs> it's, it's not sexy. Like, it, it will not turn you on. The scene is so weird, but it is a, a feat of cinema, cinematic, you know, creation. And so that, that works because you can get—it's so superficial in Gigli that you cannot get confused by what they're saying. Where here, it's like they're so bogged down in the emotional and longevity idea of relationships that I think it just, like, inherently has to be confusing from what the movie's given us and what the audience is going to think about relationships as well.
1: Doesn't Banky Edwards say that he understands gay men because they like penises?
0: See, that's why I can't buy
2: lesbians. Everyone needs dick. See, I can buy fags, a bunch of guys that need dick, you know, just plain need it. That I get. Dykes? Bullshit posturing. Well, live and let live, I guess.
0: I'm sure the gay community appreciates your support. So, something like that. Yeah, I think there's that scene he's, where she's like, can, can two men fuck each other? And then he goes off on something about that or something along those lines.
1: He's just like, gay men make sense because they just like, they get to big. Yeah, so like, anyway, the point I'm getting at is, is that there's like this weird element of penis love. Um, yes. which if Ben Affleck is supposed to be a straight man. I don't know about you. I'm a straight man most of the time. And, <laughs> and also most of the time I'm not like, man, penises are great. <laughs> more, more often than not, if I'm thinking about my penis, it's like, man, this erection is getting in the way of trying to do actual things. <laughs> damn, damn boners. <laughs> I'm just saying, I don't. I don't have any kind of weird penis love as a straight man. I think that's uh, the, the gay man's world. And maybe that's why he thinks banking gay.
0: I'm only into uh, inanimate objects that are, like, huge. So I'm, I'm into bridges and stuff like that. And I guess also another thing, uh, I'm definitely, because we mentioned earlier, I think virginity is only lost when you have children. <laughs> so, so only women can lose their virginity. Men can never men, lose men, their virginity. Men are virgins forever. Except Arnold Schwarzenegger in Junior. When he has that baby, that that That's was a groundbreaking movie.
1: That was <laughs> the first time a man lost his virginity on camera. Yeah.
0: Another scene I want to talk about that uh, surprise, surprise, Ben. I did not like <laughs> the uh, the hockey game scene. So okay. not when they're screaming in the parking lot, which I didn't like because her voice was making my ears bleed. But when they're at the hockey game, I definitely thought it was very like. Once again, like I don't know if pretentious is the right word, but maybe like very film schooly, like someone has an idea and they're like, "Oh, this is a great idea," but it just comes off executed poorly. When Ben Affleck and Alyssa are like having their argument about finger cuffs, but it's it's not really argument yet; like it's just simmering. Like yeah. he's he's probing her for that information, and it's intercut with the hockey players fighting, and it's like one of them says something and then we get a fist to the face and then the other one says something and we get like a jab to the stomach and it's like oh my god like please i get that they're having a fight like i understand this is going to be their blow up and i was like this i thought that was very uh like like i said film schooly that'd be like someone who's making like an, an art film be like oh this is such a good idea and it's like it just comes off so poor this this ham fisted Is that... Yeah, ham-fisted could be a good way to say it. Like, uh, definitely very overt, like, right-in-our-face type of thing.
1: Uh, I think I mostly ignored that that was happening.
0: (laughs) I think if if you didn't have the fight, the scene would work better, because I think where Ben Affleck's, like, keeps probing her for information, and Alyssa's, like, laughing about it until she blows up at him. Like, if you just had that, it would work so much better, because then it's like, she's like, you know, is that what you want to hear? I fucked him, I took on two guys at once, you know, and... The other people in the, in the stands are like, yeah, even I know what you were doing, dude. <laughs> yeah.
2: I remember those guys used to come over to my house almost every day after school. they bugged my sisters, looked through my dad's closet for porno tapes, raid the fridge. Oh, they really took advantage of my parents never being home. this <laughs> one day? Rick pulled his dick out and started chasing me around the house with it. Right in front of Koei, man. I couldn't believe it. Rick pulled his dick out? Really?
1: (laughs) What did you do?
0: I blew him while Koei fucked me. Excuse me?
2: That's what you wanted to hear, isn't it? That's what this little cross-examination of yours is all about. God. But well, next time, try not to make it so obvious, all right? There's subtler ways of badgering a witness. Am I right?
0: Jeez, man.
2: How could I know what you were getting at? Uh,
1: Yeah, I can, I can see why you would why you would dislike that. Uh, like I said, I mostly just didn't pay attention to it. <laughs> it, it really didn't even stick out to me as a okay. thing that was happening. But yeah, it it, it feels ham-fisted to me, uh, too, yeah.
0: now that I'm thinking about it. Yep, definitely, and then that's of course when everything goes wrong in their relationship, and and him and Banky aren't having a good relationship in their friendship either, and all that stuff.
1: Well, so I, I feel like there's a little bit of uh, of this belief that maybe Ben Affleck is like overreacting or something in mm-hmm. this in this, but she definitely lied to him about her sexuality. Oh yeah, um, yeah. Not to say like not to say that she just omitted things because everybody omits things, but she like flat lied about never being with a man.
0: Yep. Yep. And
1: yeah, I don't know. Like, it's a little weird to find out somebody like, I can see why he was just like, they used you. And she's like, I use them. And that sure. whole thing, I, I could see why, why somebody would be uncomfortable with that and feel like, Hey, you know, you were used and, and ugh, I don't know exactly what you need to feel about that. But yeah. for some reason I'm un- un- okay with it.
0: Yeah. I think I definitely take that when they're screaming in the parking lot, it kind of came off to me as they were, they were arguing, but they were kind of arguing about fundamentally different things because that I think you're right and Ben Affleck's more angry that it's like of of her history and that he was lied to. And then but she's getting more hung up on the things where she's like, they were my choices and for good or bad, like I'm not gonna apologize for them. Right. And it's like, yes, that's true, but I don't think that's the issue he's having. I don't think he wants an apology for that, for you doing them. He wants an apology that you didn't tell him about these things.
1: Right. I, I agree. And that also is like that's I think that's a decent Thing to have done in this movie because it is a very human thing that oh, that yeah. argument would those people would be having different arguments or at least in a lot of cases and like Ben Affleck is is just he doesn't have the wherewithal his character Holden doesn't have the wherewithal to be like we're arguing about different things
0: definitely
1: like you you think I'm mad about something I'm not mad about mm-hmm. or or maybe he was mad about that too but but that's not the crux of the issue you know yep and that's that's pretty normal that that happens I see that happen in movies a lot where I'm just like. If you just actually said what you thought, yeah like, I feel like it happens in TV shows a lot where they're just like this vague description that isn't actually a description of what happened happened. and then somebody's like, response that is that is not congruent with what with what's actually going on. It's like yes. you would just fucking tell them like, tell them the truth, then all of, all of the next 30 minutes of your plot could be completely oh, yeah. absolved.
0: I feel that way so, I feel that way so often in, in movies and TV shows where it's just like, wow. As you're watching scenes unfold, it's like, if you just took three seconds and said one very specific sentence, all of this would be diffused. And it's not even like, it happens a lot with the interpersonal relationships and romance type of stuff. But even in, in all those stupid like in like science fiction movies the trope of we don't have time for this and it's like if you replaced that sentence with any other sentence describing what was happening zero time would have been lost
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't know maybe it's because if you had movies where everybody communicated well with each other not much would happen then you wouldn't have the movie yeah <laughs> uh i i think like because there's a lot of a lot of movies where i feel like that's What's holding up the plot is some kind of miscommunication. Yes. Like, when I say holding up, I don't mean um, frustrating. I mean, like, lifting. Yeah. And a, a lot of the times I'm just like, is this a bad movie because of that? Mm. Or is it the case that this movie couldn't even exist without something like that? Yeah,
0: it, I think there are movies, there's a fine line for some movies between that, and sometimes it's kind of both, but I think it's just become something to, like, of, like, the formulaic screenwriting and dialogue, it's become something that they think in a lot of movies it's going to add tension or something like that. Right. And and it, it it just bothers me because the only way that things like that add tension is if you have a dumb audience, who who aren't going to think of these things or be like, no, it's like, don't say that. Don't say these vague cryptic things. Just say exactly what's going on.
1: But, I mean, how many people in your life have you interacted with that don't say vague cryptic things?
0: Uh, definitely. the The reality factor is also there, for sure.
1: So, like, I guess what I'm getting at is... How dumb does an audience have to be for that to work on them, considering it works on them in their real life all the time? <laughs> yeah,
0: that, that's a good point, yep.
1: <laughs> so, like, maybe it's not dumb. Maybe it's just not above, you know, 115 IQ or something. Like, so, I don't know.
0: No, I, I actually, on that, on that note, something I like to talk about every now and then on here, even though I think the last time I brought it up, I cut it out because the episode was long enough. So I, I, I love the Twilight Zone, the original Twilight Zone. I have mm-hmm. watched all of the reboots, including the current Jordan Peele reboots, which uh, just got its second season. Um, I don't think I've said this to Ben, but I've definitely said this on the podcast before. The the ex- the produced the Jordan Peele produced uh, Twilight Zone reboot on CBS All Access is some of the most embarrassingly bad stuff I've ever seen in my life. Damn! I want to give a I don't I haven't talked about the second season because I've just finished it like a week ago. And we're recording this way in advance, so this will be like a, a month of gone, we'll have gone by by the time this comes out. But, Ben, I'm not kidding you. One of the episodes in the second season is uh, since all or a lot of the ice caps and ice, ice shelves have melted in Antarctica, scientists can, like, go deeper into those places than ever before, and they uncover an octopus that is so smart it hacks their computer – and understands a way to send DNA to other octopuses to make them smart as well and take over the world.
2: What the hell is happening? Oh, my God. It changed the sequence. It figured out that somehow during this operation, there will occur a mutation or sabotage of genetic material... And this same gene is manipulated for octopus DNA. The opposite would occur. Sea life could rise out of the ocean and stop life on land. It would do what evolution didn't 700 million years ago. Put an end to the human species.
0: I I did not do a bad job in explaining that because that's how stupid it actually is. (laughs) There is a scene of an octopus using a computer. (laughs) This stuff is embarrassingly bad. Wow. So, so That's awful. There's an episode in this second season. It's called A Human Face, if anybody wants to watch it, where there's, like, this solar flare at the beginning, and this couple who... You know, they're setting it up that this couple is, like, moving out of their house because their daughter died. Like, their teenage daughter has, has died somehow. And they're very uh, distraught about it. And they're getting ready to move. There's this solar flare. They hear a noise in their basement. They go down to their basement. And there's this crazy alien creature. And the premise of the episode is that this alien creature throughout the episode, like, morphs into the form of their dead daughter. And okay. and the, the wife is, like... I don't care if it's an alien, I want my daughter back. And the husband's like, it's a fucking alien. <laughs> <laughs> okay. that's, the, that's the episode. And spoiler alert, it's just as stupid as the octopus one, because the alien at the end of the episode goes, I was sent here to like, you know, infiltrate humanity, but it turns out that human love is such a strong emotion, I'd rather just you love me. And he's like, oh, we're not going to do our mission, we just want to be loved by humans. That's how the episode ends. It's embarrassingly bad. Anybody who—I I totally recommend watching the new Twilight Zone to know what you should never put in your own writing, ever.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so that sounded like it could have been a good plot until you said the end of it.
0: That That's my problem with the, with the Jordan Peele Twilight Zone stuff is that they all start—like, the first minute and a half is like, oh my god, this sounds really interesting— And then it just collapses in on itself with the stupidity. But the the reason I bring this up, not only because I have to always talk about how terrible it is, but in that episode, in the beginning, because the cold open is they see the alien and they run back upstairs. And before it starts taking the form of the daughter, they're like hiding and they're trying to figure out what to do. And there's actually some instances where the characters are just getting to the point. And they're not like, what was that? Did we have a hallucination? Like, blah, blah, blah. They're actually like, oh, my God, it's an alien. Like, we need to – like, should we get out of the house? Should we call somebody? Like, there's actually really good to-the-point dialogue that I appreciated just Sorry. for that reason. The the reason that it still fails, even though it's good pointed dialogue, is because the dialogue is fucking stupid. Like, the okay. father literally goes, we need to call somebody. We should call the government. Robert, we have an alien in our
2: basement. Don't tell me you didn't see it. No, I saw an alien. And you saw it. I know you saw it, Robert. It wasn't Max. OK, it didn't even look like her. It's so what we need to do. No. We're, we're going to call the cops. It we're didn't call, look like we're gonna her. We're going to call the government. No,
0: not exactly. But there was something there, Robert, It was something. You saw it. It was her. God damn it.
1: Like, that's what he says.
0: He doesn't say we should call the cops or anything. He says we should call the government. (laughs) So these episodes fail completely, but I'm kind of shocked that the the thing that I hate, that we're talking about this cryptic, vague dialogue, they actually fixed it in the Twilight Zone reboot from 2019 (laughs) and 2020, but they fail on so many other levels.
1: (laughs) How is this gotten renewed for a second season?
0: Ah. I the, the first season got fairly good reviews, but it was terrible. Like, I, don't, I honestly don't understand it. Like, that's been something... Because the issue is, it's on CBS All Access, and hell will freeze over bef- before they release their numbers and their viewership. Like, that is completely in the dark. Like, no one knows... Like, the only thing you have is c- critical reviews for their shows. Okay. and And people, you know, people like us on the internet talking about it. <laughs> but it's... It's also Jordan Peele. Even though he's not directing it, he's writing some of them. The one that he wrote in the second season isn't embarrassingly bad. It's just bad.
1: Is that is Jordan Peele... Is that Keen Peele Jordan Peele? Yeah, yeah. So the guy? You know,
0: the guy who did Get Out and Us now, which is what he's... He's known for more of that horror type of stuff. Sure. But I, like I said, I recommend everybody check out the Twilight Zone reboot because it is an example of what never to do in storytelling. Though there's some episodes I think you would love, Ben. Like there's one where... Uh, a meteor hits this town, and the meteor like has this radiation on it that makes all the men in town be rapists. but the twist at the end of the episode, the meteor actually did nothing. the men were just rapists <laughs> seriously uh, like that is that is not even like you can't like it's not an ambiguous thing that I got this from they explicitly state this stuff
1: that's some that's some woke shit man. <laughs> all men are racist rapists that's, that's totally some, the wokest
0: that's some woke shit <laughs> that's great yes this is it is very woke 100 percent. it's my it might be the wokest
1: <laughs> church woke. is now the dismissedest
0: <laughs> church is now the dismissedest that's how i do it because i'm the damn sickest definitely the 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 miscommunication the misunderstanding it is rea- – you make a good point with it being realistic. Um, I guess, you know, once again, it's that 1997 versus today thing. We've seen it so many damn times now, you know. It's like would this have worked better, you know, for us seeing it back in the day with, without all this nonsense that's been thrown to us. But, of course, like we said, this is the dip in their relationship. Some he, He's lost her. He thinks he has to see how to get her back. And we go to my favorite scene in the movie for a reason that Ben is not going to understand or appreciate, I think. The diner scene with Jay and Silent Bob. I like this scene. I love this scene. For one small moment, when Silent Bob starts talking, he's saying, like, uh, he's, like, a little while ago or a few years back, he was, like, chasing Amy like I was dating this girl. And Jay says something like, when was this? Like, a few years back. And... And Silent Bob has the, the most amazing line in this movie. This, this, this knocks the movie up by, like, two points in my book, where Jay, Silent Bob says something like, there's a whole bunch of shit you don't know about me. Like, did you ever know that I always wanted to be a dancer in Vegas? And then he does the jazz hands movement from Showgirls. Oh. Like, it is a direct reference to Showgirls. I'm going to do it for Ben. You ready you watching me? Yeah. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes He says, I always wanted to be a dancer in Vegas Does the jazz hands from Goddess And I'm like, sold I
1: went through something like what you're talking about A couple years ago, this chick named Amy
0: When?
2: A couple of years ago But you live in Canada or something? Why
1: don't I remember this? Bitch, what you don't know about me i just about squeezing the Grand fucking Canyon Did you know I always wanted to be a dancer in Vegas? Huh? But you didn't even know that shit, did you?
0: For our audience, I paused the movie. I texted Heather. Heather's the one who discussed showgirls with us on the podcast. I told her about it. Heather and I proceeded to do the jazz hands for hours. (laughs) Because that's what we do. I guess we should also say, even though by the time this comes out, Heather will have been on another episode of Cinemodities. When we were hanging out on the 4th of July... There was a good portion of time where we were drunk, just doing the showgirls jazz hands for like thirty minutes straight. If you have not seen that movie yet, everybody, check it out. It's amazing. <laughs> but yes, this this movie out of nowhere threw a true showgirls reference, and I was like, I love it. And then, of course, the movie, like we were saying before, I, I was saying before, just kind of goes up from there. Because we get that scene where uh Silent Bob discusses chasing Amy, his his mm-hmm. kinda what he's doing, oh you're chasing Amy, tells the whole story, and then that's when Ben Affleck, you think he's gonna be like, Okay, I have to reevaluate myself, I have to be right. be better, you know, I have to do the right thing for her or for us and it's just like no, he's just still a fool. He thinks they need to have a threesome. And and that's all that subversion I really like. Okay.
1: So something else about that scene, um, so Silent Bob tells this story.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, you know, for the audience, if you didn't know, Silent Bob very rarely speaks. What? <laughs> <laughs> so, so so, Jay's like, you know, like, what the fuck? He always does this. He's telling this story about Chase and Amy. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, the thing he says, you know, there's a lot of stuff you don't know about me. Simon Bob says you could squeeze what you don't know about me into the Grand Canyon.
0: Yes, that was a good line. Where yeah, he's like you could just about squeeze everything you don't know about me into the Grand Canyon, and I'm like right. yeah. I'm like okay, that see that's clever. Look at that, Kevin Smith. You can write something clever without putting the word fuck or cock in it.
1: <laughs> so so Jay asked him like when that happened. He says. Like he just repeats himself, he says like a few years ago, and it's like I thought that was kind of bad. Like I didn't I thought that like as far as his acting was concerned, like that just didn't look very good. Sure, yeah. But the the thing I want to mention is that in Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, there's a scene where something kind of t- time sensitive is going on. Okay. And Silent Bob has information that he needs to relate to Jay, and he's like like drawing in the air <laughs> and like mimicking things sure. and miming stuff. And Jay says something like you can always tell that stupid Amy story! <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, okay, I, I dig that.
2: What the fuck are you trying to say? Just say it, man. Don't make me ask 20 questions. You can always tell that stupid Amy story all the time, but you can't spit out fucking, Yo, Jay, I disagree, or... Yo, those are some good cheese fries.
0: I don't I don't know if you watched this movie um, all the way through the credits, but there's no post credit scene, but near the end of the credits there is a voiceover of Jay saying, why do you always have to tell that story?
2: Man, why do you always have to tell that fucking gay story for? Man, shut up. You shut up, you fat fuck.
0: Okay. At the at the end of the credits of this movie, so I'm glad they bring it back later. But okay, see I I like that. That's like that's not just some shared universe nonsense that doesn't matter to the movie. That's like a good running joke that you hear right. Silent Bob talk he has this whole like you know you don't know anything about me and then we just get this running joke of like you could tell that stupid story again I, that I approve of that's that's good that's how to do a running joke i think i don't know if it's going to come up later i didn't i didn't put it into my snacks because i didn't have any any good way to to really wrap my head around it for the restaurant And it's not really like something you could serve. But did you notice while Bob is telling the chasing Amy story, Jay and Silent Bob have already ordered bagels and the bagels are already at the table. Mm. Jay is not eating the bagel that he ordered. He is literally pouring sugar into a spoon and eating the straight sugar. (laughs) Yeah.
1: So one of my snacks was just going to be spoonfuls of sugar.
0: Okay. See, that's I was. That's what my first thought was. But I was like, I, I was like, this is just something that people can do because I think there's already <laughs> sugar on the table. Like it's not really like a menu. I know. <laughs> no,
1: you have to order the spoon. Um, <laughs> What size
0: spoon would you like, sir? Well, yeah, he's definitely just pouring sugar into a spoon and eating it. Yeah, because at first I was like, that looks like a sugar container, but it might be salt. But then they show the salt shaker. yeah. And so I'm like, you cannot misconstrue. That is definitely sugar. and He's just going to town on it.
1: Doesn't he say something raunchy to the waitress too, like when he's ordering his bagel? Something about, I don't know, oh. you know? He always says something raunchy to somebody. Yeah,
0: something, yeah, he say, he's saying something raunchy when the waiter comes over, or the waitress comes over, and then when the waitress is, like, there and clearly has heard him, he looks at her, he's like, she knows what I'm talking about, like, how you doing, you know, that type of thing. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. Man, she ever bring bitches to bed you, getting a little the fish sandwich going on? Yeah, you know what I'm talking about, baby, right? What's up?
1: In *Jane and Bob Strike back, there's a scene where he
0: yells, Hey, baby, have you ever had your asshole licked by a fat man in an overcoat? Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think that exists. Like I think I've seen that online as well. Like people just using that clip or whatever. Sure. Oh yeah, I'm yeah, sure. definitely.
1: But yeah, so that is that's. Well, we're jumping the gun on snacks. We don't talk about snacks. So. Yeah,
0: because yeah, I, I ended up not putting it down in my snacks, but uh, I'm glad you got it in there for sure. But because if if neither of us had it for snacks, we had to mention it at least. That could not go unmentioned. <laughs> <laughs> he was just spooning sugar into his mouth. <laughs> Yes. Oh god, absolutely crazy. So yeah, I mean after after that, it's uh it's pretty much the end of the movie. The uh what's like what the last 20 minutes, we get the uh that yeah. we have to have a threesome and it, it's like we said before, Ben Affleck has no understanding of his or other people's feelings. Yep. And then and then I another scene that I think it fit, but I definitely think it was a little bloated is that that one year later thing where they're all separated and they have their their moments together type of thing. I get right. that you need that at the end of the movie. You know, the movie just can't end with them all just breaking away. Like I get that from a, a movie perspective. You need some sense of finalization. But and but you know, I think some of it goes on too long. Where what uh, Ethan Suplee is back as the fan and he's talking to
1: to Banky Evans, who yeah.
0: what he does like Baby Dave is his new comic book or something like that. Little Dave <laughs>
1: so, something baby something. And he he did the uh, he did the drawing himself.
0: Yeah, and, which
1: yeah. is actually why I mentioned that whole Indiegogo thing earlier, because like later he finds out like he could actually do the art oh, and yeah. inking.
0: Yeah, and okay. like he's just like Holden was just holding you back and like so that's what yeah, the okay. fan right, that's yeah, absolutely. Big. And then the whole time like Ethan Suplee is talking to him, and Jason Lee is just looking at, at Ben Affleck across the room like the whole time. And I'm yeah. like, okay, I'm like, I get it. Yes, okay. <laughs>
1: Ethan Supley is actually also in Mallrats. Oh,
0: sure, sure.
1: Fun fact. He can't see a sailboat in one of those, like, hidden images pictures.
0: Oh, sure, sure.
1: Um, but, yeah, so...
0: Can you do those? Can you do the hidden image image things? I, I have, on, on occasion, been able to do them. I don't know that I can reliably. Okay. I, I haven't done one in years, but I, I can do them. I used to be able to do them reliably. Okay. I had, like, a book of a bunch of them. And when I was younger, and I think that like helped me know how to do it. But I was thinking about that like every so often that'll come up in like random places in pop culture or discussions. Like yeah. people will remember those. And every time I think of it, while. yeah. And every time I think of it though, I'm like, I really had a book of them. Like, like they published just a book of these. That seems so strange to me, where it's just like, shouldn't these just be hidden places, like, for <laughs> subliminal messages? I had, had like, a 30-page book of them. And it's just like, I, I don't remember, it was when I was really young, but I'm thinking of, like, like I'm just imagining me sitting there and, like, letting my eyes, like, go weak. Snowman! <laughs> boat and it's like there's no entertainment in that it's just it just baffles me when i think about having a book of those <laughs> i mean I, th-
1: I thought that they were pretty cool like it was neat that you your eyes could like unfocus and you could see something oh
0: yeah and cuz they had that so, that 3d aspect to them as well which is yeah, always was, like, the like, neatest part the of it. yeah so i mean anything that you, any other scenes you wanted to point out or that anything about that last scene or anything else of it
1: so in that last scene he like he delivers a comic called chasing amy to Tillis Jones yeah. and she's like this isn't mine and he's like I know I wrote it you should read it it's clearly about us
0: yeah that was another thing where it was like she cause he, he pops up and puts the comic book down and she just doesn't look up from the table just to yeah. make that reveal a little stronger and it's like she's, she's literally waiting for the next fan to come up like, yeah. like, why should, would she just be looking down at the table? She's not signing anything, <laughs> like.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, I think, like you said, it was just to make the reveal stronger. Yeah. Unless it's supposed to reveal to us about her character that she doesn't look her phantom <laughs> in the face. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, well, that that could be it because after, as the movie's ending, and the, I guess the current her current girlfriend comes over who doesn't know what a Vulcan is. Right. And like the current girlfriend comes over, says, "Who was that?" She goes, "Oh, just some guy I knew." And then the next fan comes up, and immediately as the next fan comes up to get a idiosyncratic routine signed, Alyssa just starts talking to the girlfriend, like, "What are we gonna eat tonight?" And oh I'm yeah, like, she does. Yeah. I'm like, that's the biggest bullshit. I'd be like, I'd be like, "Hey, look at me! Like I'm fucking paid to stand in your line. Look at me, you know." <laughs> <laughs>
1: Uh, yeah, maybe that is what what we're supposed to believe. Maybe that's actually why she's not successful as a comic book writer.
0: <laughs> she doesn't care about her fans. It sure seems like it.
1: It has nothing to do with uh, with the content or anything.
0: I, I do have to say I like that name of the comic book, even though we know nothing about the comic book. Idiosyncratic Routine is a pretty cool name.
1: What are idiosyncrasies? It's, a, it's like a, a behavioral thing, right?
0: Yeah, so, yeah, it comes up in a few different forms, but, like, um, things that are, you know out of the norm or unexplainable. Like I know in medical, like a idiosyncratic disease is one they don't know the cause of. And so like I would imagine idiosyncratic routine would be about like you know I'm imagining the main character is like quirky and does things differently from everybody else and I get it's like you remember um Fresh Prince of Bel Air, like when Will Smith goes to like the, the the fancy boarding school or prep school and he's the only one they all have to wear the same uniform and he's the only one that like turns his jacket inside out and wears it that way like that's idiosyncratic that type of thing okay
1: all right yeah and and like for whatever reason the inside of his jacket is really colorful
0: yes yes it's like this arsenio hall type of looking thing which is apparently the inside pattern on everybody's jacket
1: (laughs) right (laughs) yeah that i always found that strange okay yeah so idiosyncratic routine
0: yeah, I dig that name.
1: We should, we should steal it, Kevin Smith. We're coming for
0: you. Let's trade the um the the Jason Lee as the 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 two redeeming qualities finds the love of his life movie for the name idiosyncratic routine, and we can do yeah. what we want with it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> right on, right on. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I don't think there's much else to mention about this movie. It's um, it's a it's a rom com love drama thing. Yeah, yeah I think with we did go
0: through a, a good bit of it. And so that's always that's always good, and which we should for Ben Affleck's birthday, uh, for sure. And I, I guess to, to finish it up, I did want to uh, mention that I do agree with you. He's not the greatest in this movie. He definitely has some, some scenes where it's like very, very stale acting type of stuff. Sure. And I do want to say, I don't really like the goatee on him at all. Oh, really? I yeah. do too. Uh, the goatee didn't do too much for me. I guess I'm too used to seeing him as clean-shaven, and that could be also why I didn't really like Argo, because he has the big beard in Argo. Okay. But Argo is also a very boring movie, I thought. Like, the, did you ever see Argo? No, I haven't. The climax is, like, Iranian officials looking at paperwork while they're on an airplane. <laughs> like that That's the exciting climax. Wow. The the movie also, the, the, the Argo American version, I don't know if there's an actual Canadian version, but it just straight up like ignores Canada. So in reality, the whole Argo thing where like when when they they stormed the US embassy in Iran, the, they were like the uh, the US embassy workers hid out at like someone's house in Iran and they had to like figure out the plot of how do we get them out of Iran? Like in reality, the entire operation was thought of and carried out by Canada. And then the Argo movie is, like, Canada had nothing to do with it. Fuck Canada. (laughs) Oh, God, really? Yeah, and I was very confused by that when I watched Argo, because I thought there was going to be, like, this whole, like, actual, like, somewhat based in reality. But then the whole movie has, like, climaxes of people looking at paperwork and people barely getting the phones in time, and it's very bad. Okay. (laughs) And I'm pretty sure it won, I know, I'm pretty sure it was uh, Ben F., like, won Best Director for it, which makes no sense. But he does thank Martin Brest in his acceptance speech, who's the director of Gigli. Okay. So.
1: It seems that sometimes <laughs> the, the critics really like shitty movies or something. Oh, yeah. It's like, do you think that's like a pretentious thing? They're like, aha, you, you just didn't understand. It's so good. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I, I definitely get that feeling sometimes. You know, it's, I think that's how everyone, anyone who like thinks about movies a lot, or, you know, they, they aren't just, like, casual moviegoers where they actually can watch anything and, and think about it. There's always some level of disagreement where, you know, it's like, you know, this this should have won or this shouldn't have won and that type of stuff, and, and I think that's fine. I think that's just how any time you get a group of people together who think they can say what the best of something is, it's it's still always subjective, and it's still always going to cause problems. Mm-hmm. Over the last few years, I have just gone fully into the, the school of thought I like what the X-Files puts forward is that like the men in shadows who are like making sure nobody knows about aliens and are killing the aliens that land on earth are also picking Oscar nominees and stuff like that. That's what I totally believe now. Like the the cigarette smoking man is is choosing all the Oscar nominees every year. (laughs) Okay. Even though I think he's dead in the X-Files canon now.
1: Internationally, Bosnia-Herzegovina is set for a February vote on independence from Yugoslavia. America couldn't care less i'm working on next month's oscar nominations any preference i couldn't care less what i don't want to see is the bills winning a super bowl as long as i'm alive that doesn't happen could be
0: tough sir buffalo wants it bad
1: so did the soviets in
0: '80. what are you saying you rigged the olympic hockey game
1: what's the matter don't you believe in miracles the boss gave the russian goaltender a little pre-game good luck pat on the back unseen nova King needle on a bogus wedding ring really a little slow on the stick side. 4-3 home team. Payback's a bitch, Ivan. Do you do you ever feel like they should just get people who just watch movies and don't analyze movies to pick the movies that are good?
0: That would be very interesting for like an watching an award show like that, I would definitely be interested in where it's just like, you know, the why was this nominated? It's like I don't know. It was pretty good. <laughs> like I like, like I had like like I caught it on a TV one afternoon. I missed the first half hour, but it was pretty good.
1: <laughs> so, well, I think mean, is they should have like term limits because, like, after you analyze movies for long enough,
0: oh yeah,
1: I think your your credibility as far as picking movies that the general audience will like just that goes to the shitter, right? Because you're like. After yeah, so for, long of analyzing movies, you have to be like, I want something different. Yeah, and yeah. then something different comes along. and You're like, that
0: was good because it was different. Yeah, no, you know, you're you're definitely right there, and I think I think that is some of the issue is like you said, the terms of these people and things like that. Um, I don't know. I I also like, think that you it's know more it, important than the office of president, they should be kicked out every eight years or something. And and I, I definitely think that there's some. I think once the I've definitely grown to realize that I shouldn't and a lot of people don't put a lot of weight on these award shows. Well, yeah. one, because there's so many of them, but like no one it's like the thing that always gets me is that there are movies that like the Golden Globes will give someone a nomination for best director. And then at this in the same year, like the Razzies will give them a nomination for worst director. And oh. so it's just like if that happens, like what's the point of caring about any of this, you know? That's weird. Yeah, it's all it's all subjective, and and that's at the same time I, I've talked about on on Cinemodities before is like if you look at the list, like if you Google like movies with the most Razzy nominations and wins, and you look up like the top twenty five, like a solid fifteen of those I think are some of the greatest movies of all time. Oh God! <laughs> Where? Showgirls is on there. I think Showgirls has like the the most nominations ever. Still, not the most wins, the most nominations. Okay.
1: I don't think I know what the Razzies
0: are. It's a, it's for the, it's, you know, like the Oscars are for all the best things. The Razzies are for all the worst things. So they do like worst director, worst picture, worst actor, worst actress, oh worst score, things like that. Why? Because, you know, if there's the best, there's got to be the worst, you know? And I think what you're describing with the, with the, or what we were talking about before with these people who just watch movies, we should do like the middle. There's no middle award show. Like what was just okay. <laughs> like what what were the movies we watched and immediately forgot about this year?
1: <laughs> what are the movies that you can watch over and over again because they don't leave any kind of impression?
0: Yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's
1: like you you don't hate it while you're watching it and it's great to put it on TV while you try to talk to your family. <laughs> like that that collection It's of
0: vacuous. It's chips. You're just eating the chips, and you consume yeah. them when you're ready for the next one. Oh yeah.
1: No, it's it's the popcorn awards. It's yeah, like, it's, yeah. It's movies that are as filling and and sustaining as popcorn.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh god, that that is a great idea, Ben. That might have to be like a new annual bonus episode because we do Ben Affleck's birthday every year. We do our yearly extravaganzas. We do our our Goosebumps episode. We have our traditions. We might need to do the popcorn awards, like. <laughs> what movies just meant nothing (laughs) don't get me wrong i
1: never get tired of eating popcorn yeah but it's not spectacular
0: yeah (laughs) (laughs) oh that's good okay yeah we'll have to give that some thought that's an interesting idea for sure cool all right with all that being said ben are you ready for our questions about this movie even though it's a bonus episode we're still doing them I'm ready. Okay, this is about the time you bust out the wheel-o, but it looks like you got some cards you busted out this time. <laughs> I got a box, because I bought a thing, and it came in a box. Ooh. I, I don't know I don't know if you listen to, but I put all that wheel-o stuff at the end of our Neon Demon. Like, after the outro, there's like a boop, and then it's just like, got a wheel over here, living in a carnival <laughs> land, and it's just, there's no context. It's great. <laughs> Right on. So, all right, let's start with uh, cinemodities in Late Night, and let's throw it over to you, since you have more history with this, and you're the reason I found out about it and knew about this damn movie. What do you think for our, our cinemodities in Late Night? Is it a cinemodity? In 1997, it was. That's interesting. That's that's interesting. Can you say that for certain? Have you gone back to
1: 1997? <laughs> uh, well, yes. I lived <laughs> in I was alive then, actually, my <laughs> I watched. No, I didn't watch this movie. That, but no, I, I think, yes, it's a it's a cinema but only because it has that Kevin Smith feeling to fair, it. Fair, fair. Uh, late night. I like it. I I would watch it again. I'd recommend that people watch it, but I I wouldn't like recommend it over a bunch of other stuff. It's mm. just like if it was if it was on TV, I'm not going to tell them to turn it off. That...
0: <laughs> so what? It's like a it's like a an ambivalent late night movie. Yes. Like if yeah. like if if you go to put on one movie, but Chasing Amy is already in the DVD player, you're just like, okay, I guess we're doing this. Fuck it,
1: we're watching. <laughs> I mean, it looks like a really good movie that I was
0: going to watch. Okay, okay, that yeah, that's fair. So, uh, as expected, after this conversation, we are definitely split. Uh, I do not think this is a cinemoddy. My my no at, odd? my my legit note. No, no d- I definitely don't think it's odd, and okay. I don't think it's cinematic after that fucking dartboard scene. <laughs> You don't think it was odd in 1997? But my my exact note is no. There is nothing special about this bloated romantic comedy. <laughs> that was my feeling after watching this movie. But no, I I don't think there's any. I think for the same reason that you think it is a cinemodity, I'm going to say it's not because it's just that it's that Kevin Smith style, which it is unique to Kevin Smith. But I have an issue with how many people have tried to emulate that. And okay. not done it well. And just this being one of his doesn't stand out to me. And I think it might also because it's that romantic comedy vibe. Like, if we had done Dogma, it might be a different story. Because Dogma's a a very different movie. At yes. least in, in in uh topic and, and setting and theme and all that stuff.
1: It definitely has you're over-the-top cussing and swearing that you're...
0: Oh, yeah. It's still got the Kevin Smith style, what but... What <laughs> the fuck happened to
1: that guy's head?
0: <laughs> but it's not about uh, these relationships. And uh, and Tusk... We'll get to Tusk. Tusk is going to be like a four-hour episode, I swear. That's I have so much to say about Tusk. Definitely an oddity.
1: Tusk
0: <laughs> For Late Night, I'm also going to say no. I think I'm going to bump it up to a hell no. Uh, I have no desire to show this to anyone... And I think, I think you said it well as, you know, this isn't at the top of the list. One of the things I say a lot about late-night movies is that, you know, I want to get, like, a, a good conversation going about Or one of the things I want is, like, to be able to talk about the ideas that they're putting forward. And I wouldn't want to – even though this movie could lend it to that, I wouldn't want to use up a late-night conversation on this movie. Like, I think there's better things or, or things that could lead to more intriguing conversation – than this movie and i also kind of think that there's some people i would watch this with and they would just be like Huh, he said cock knocker and it's like no it's like that (laughs) is not is not the point of what we're doing here right now (laughs) fair enough okay that brings us then to the snacks to the restaurant so uh ben told me he actually had some snacks for this earlier so i'm very excited to hear them throw them at us
1: Uh, well, one, we already heard, spoonfuls of sugar. Okay,
0: and and so you're saying you have to order the spoon? Yes. So there's no silverware on the table. (laughs) Or is there, like, just a fork and a knife, there's no spoon? (laughs) Um, I didn't know that there was already sugar on the table, to be completely honest. I think there is. There might not be. I know there's room-temperature grape jelly. That's definitely on every table. I know there's uh, spray bottles of battery acid on every table. There might not be sugar. There's also not like ketchup. That's on a, that's on like a train that goes around, like a little <laughs> toy train that goes around the restaurant. We have a condiment train. So that you have to wait for the condiment train to come by your table to get your condiments. And there's a little, there's a little like, like a, like a flip and it shoots pickles at people on the condiment train. Oh, it's great. You'd love it Ben. But the sugar might not be on the tables. So okay. they might have to order the sugar as well. So
1: you gotta order the sugar. Cigarettes.
0: <laughs> like, just cigarettes?
1: <laughs> you can order the number of cigarettes that were smoked in this movie. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, so I'll tell you, cigarettes might be the thing that's on the menu the most. Like, <laughs> like we introduced cigarettes before we even had the concept of the restaurant. Like, there are so many, because I think, I think I've told you this before, and our audience knows, like, I keep a spreadsheet of every episode, and, like, who's on it, what their answers are to the questions, what snacks we pitch... Like, at least ten of them have cigarettes in there. Hey, kids. Cigarettes, or a cigarette in a dish, actually only appears five times in the spreadsheet. uh, I mean, at the restaurant. Now including Chasing Amy. The others are Cowboy Bebop, Pink Floyd's The Wall, Black Swan, and Throw Mama from the Train. Okay. From me multiple times? From guests we've had on multiple times? like.
1: So... The the point being that there are they smoke so many
0: goddamn cigarettes in this movie. Oh yeah, there's a lot of cigarettes in this movie. It was the 90s. Like, Everybody was like, better off with a cigarette in the 90s. Like,
1: this movie's gonna get canceled just for the cigarettes, not even for
0: <laughs> whitewashing <laughs> bisexuality or whatever. Um, <laughs> Twin towers imagery, cigarettes. <laughs> this is an old movie. Bad representations of, uh, of of homosexuality. This I'm surprised this movie isn't canceled already. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> And then, I mean, do you guys already have bagels?
0: <laughs> maybe. I, I, probably not. If, if we do have bagels, it's not just bagels. It's some something crazies in them bagels, I bet.
1: So maybe you can order, like, a normal bagel, but you're actually intended to just eat the sugar <laughs> when, you, when you get your bagel.
0: What if you When you order the spoon and the sugar, a bagel also comes with it. And Perfect. then if the customer's like, I, I didn't order this bagel. My Google Home just went off. I don't know why. When I said bagel, I think it might have heard Google. <laughs> <laughs> but when you when you order when you order the uh, the spoon and the sugar, you also get a bagel. And the customer is going to be like, "I don't order a bagel." And the waitstaff is going to be like, "Yeah, and you're not supposed to eat it." So w- what's the problem?
1: <laughs> Perfect.
0: So so I definitely had um, a direct pull from this movie in that friend montage scene. I'm pretty sure it's in there. They're at, like, the birthday party. I think it's Alyssa's birthday party. And Ben Affleck has a cake in the shape of a topless woman. Yeah. And that that cake does not look like a good-looking woman. That woman looks ugly as hell.
1: (laughs) I actually remember when I was watching this, I was like, as... As an illustrator, he should be pretty ashamed,
0: right? Like, how, <laughs> how does how does if you can draw with a pen or a pencil, like just get that piping bag for your frosting, like you're holding a pencil? It shouldn't be that different, right? Like it's thicker. I get it, but come on, it shouldn't look that yeah. bad. Well, he's not good at inking, so. <laughs> and that that cake did try to have some depth because I think the breasts were elevated. Yeah. So so I want to have cakes. We I, I think we have a few cakes already. In the restaurant, but I want specifically ugly topless women cakes. Okay. Like cakes in the shape <laughs> of topless women that are ugly as hell.
1: Right on. <laughs> are they modeled after ugly women or are they modeled after regular women and then they're done poorly? I
0: could I could go for both. I think I was actually leaning towards the people who design the cake. We, we The people who are making the cakes look like women... We just tell them that they need to look like women, but we specifically hire people that haven't seen a woman in 10 years and are trying to do it from memory. So it's just – you know it's going to come out looking really strange.
1: So we're hiring people that are stuck in the restaurant somewhere?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. (laughs) Okay. What's that Rick and Morty quote? Aren't they stuck in like the – Morty's stuck in the woods forever? And then uh, he finds Rick again and he's like, Rick, you got to let us get it. You got to get us out of here. I'm so horny. I masturbated to an extra curvy piece of driftwood the other day. (laughs) Like those type of people. (laughs) They're making cakes for us. Solid. I I miss my
1: family. I miss my laptop. I masturbated to an extra curvy piece of driftwood the other day.
2: Look, I I don't care what it takes. You two are putting aside your bullshit and you're working together to get us back home. And then
0: the the last thing I had for the restaurant it wasn't a snack but it um it goes back to a another diner scene which we didn't mention cuz it's so quick but it's the the scene right before Ben Affleck confesses his love for Alyssa and before they leave the diner uh, Alyssa haggles for the painting where she's like the price tag says 75 I'll give you 50 and the guy the wait the the guy at the restaurant is like Manuel, can you bring the whatever down? And she buys the painting and tells Ben Affleck he needs to hang in his apartment. So this gave me a great idea for the restaurant. I don't think we are currently hanging any artwork, but here, we're going to start hanging artwork, and it's going to have price tags on it with incredibly cheap prices. But here's the trick. The price tags for low prices are part of the artwork. (laughs) So when people ask to buy them for like 75 cents, $2, we hit them with the real price and they have to haggle and they're going to be baffled because they're going to be like, it says it costs $2 and be like, no, that is part of the art. It doesn't matter if it's a picture of boats. That price tag was put there by the artist. Like we we have our own prices for the artwork and it's going to be a big like Jason Lee type of argument in the restaurant about the prices of these artworks. That's perfect. I like it. So we got to, Ben we might uh I'm we might commission you to do some drawings where you're putting price tags in the drawings. <laughs> um
1: do we have a finger cuff section of the of the restaurant?
0: Explain what you mean by finger cuff section. <laughs>
1: yeah, like the the Chinese finger cuff toy. So like you get people like just stuck together.
0: Do it's we fun. have those in the? Re- no, I don't think we have those in the restaurant. Yeah. I've always enjoyed those things. Those fin- Chinese finger cuff toys. They're then we pretty need cool. to
1: we need to bring those into the restaurant. Please. Does
0: this have something to do with the sex room? I think one of the last times you're on here, you talked about the sex room, and I was like, "Do we have a sex room?" And you were like, "The sex room I know about." <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, okay, I went to the restaurant once, I found the sex room. Next time I came back, I went to the same exact place. I couldn't find the sex room.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't have thorough notes on the restaurant. I, and... could,
0: uh, I could see maybe uh, in the kids' section, Sin E Modities, we give them some finger cuffs toys to play with just to keep their hands busy, you know? Yeah. <laughs> But then that would also prevent them from using the sinks in the kids portion of the restaurant, which is standing water with a bunch of knives at the bottom of it. Which we also want them to use. You know, so it's a it's a trade off, you know? It's a you got this is see Ben, this is why you should like that we're just picking your brain for ideas and after this you don't actually have to go and implement them at the restaurant. That's be great. be thankful that we have Zach and I have the tough job in this this half.
1: <laughs> I'm I'm very thankful. You don't even know.
0: Alright, so did you have any other snacks? Those were only two, the the cakes and the arts.
1: No, I I thought I had a third one, but i it's not coming to mind, so...
0: Okay, okay.
1: We're going to have to just... Uh, maybe a cunt rag.
0: <laughs> so we do... All of our employees do get jizzles, which are like chamois, but for cleaning up jizz. So how, how different would a jizzle be from a cunt rag? Uh,
1: I think it's only for cleaning up menstrual blood.
0: That... Now we're getting a territory that I don't know if we're experts on. We're experts on a lot of things, Ben. I don't know if we're experts on menstruation.
1: Oh, I wasn't talking about menstruation. I was talking about those people that sing minstrels.
0: (laughs) Minstrel blood? (laughs) Minstrel blood. Okay, that... That I think if that like that's like a great stand-up joke. If we can if we can rework minstrel like a menstrual minstrel blood joke. That might that might be amazing. I love that. <laughs> okay, okay. okay, yeah, we're canceled, definitely, after this episode. <laughs> I didn't want to have a job anyway. There's gonna be long long beeps in this episode for everybody when they listen to it. <laughs> it's Ben Affleck's birthday, everybody, and then two hours of boo- All right. well with all that being said Happy birthday Ben Affleck And thank you not Ben Affleck For being here I hope you enjoyed uh, this Ben Affleck celebration We have a year to figure out What we're going to do next time His birthday comes around
1: I prefer Ben
0: not Affleck Ben Ben, not (laughs) Affleck Not Affleck So where can Our audience find your Comic book's and buy them. <laughs> <laughs> That—that's my question for you now, Ben.
1: The comic books that don't yet exist and were never intended to make money.
0: How do um, they? How do they purchase those? Or how do they? How do they? Uh, no, you said you have your own inker. I thought maybe you want want to hire an inker, but fuck that. You can do it all. Uh, I mean, it wouldn't
1: hurt for me to have an inker <laughs> get through some things faster. Um, I think, I think you can still find me on Instagram at Ben Q Stanley.
0: Right on. Is your website still empty?
1: Yes, yes,
0: it is. My <laughs> okay, website okay. my website, still does not have a website on it.
1: Yeah, it, it's at ben Q Stanley. That's where you can find me. On the Instagrams where you can see some of my attempts at the drawings of stuff.
0: Yes, get on there. Uh, haggle prices with him.
1: Yes, I will haggle with you. Um, but the end result is that I'm not actually selling anything, so.
0: <laughs> right. I'm, I'm happy to haggle. So. Go to go to Ben and haggle with the price for for uh, you to right click and save image as. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, well, if if you are listening to Ben again, get at him somehow, like DM. I don't know what else you would call it. but get at him tell him how wrong he is about chasing Amy. (laughs) (laughs) yeah let me let me know let me
1: know about all the offensive things i've said and uh and the movie opinions i've had that you disagree with because i i really care about you and your feelings so
0: (laughs) okay well i think the last thing that's left is to how are we going to end this episode and i think this one is uh pretty straightforward we don't have a lot of music in this movie but the opening theme song is a song called Tube of Wonderful by David Priner, I think his name is. And okay. uh, it's, it's very kind of minimal, and it doesn't really have lyrics. It just has kind of like hums and, and vocalization, which is pretty cool. And so let's play that in reverse. What do you think?
1: Sounds great, man. Let's do All it. All
0: right. Well, play us out in the time vortex of cinemodities, who knows if this will be the next time you hear Ben a month from the time we're recording it, or if people have been here prior, so... Ben, thanks for being in this endless loop of a restaurant in time. And uh, we'll talk to you again. And once again, happy birthday, Ben Affleck.
1: (laughs) Happy birthday, Ben Affleck.
2: Woo-woo!